Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. This is going to be a really interesting show today. Um, I've got a lot of things planned. I've got some very special guests uh, hopefully joining us. I'm not sure exactly who uh, at this time just because it is a holiday. It is Memorial Day. Most people don't broadcast. Um, all, all the, the, you know, the major talk show hosts, they play their best of and they play things like that. I like to broadcast on holidays. And the reason I do is because I think it gives the holiday a lot more meaning when we talk about why we're doing it. So I don't mind working on a holiday. Uh, I guess if I remember holiday is short for holy day, but uh, this is, this is Memorial Day. And Memorial Day is when we remember uh, those that have fallen in war um, battling for our freedom. And at the risk of being controversial, which I really sort of do, you know, on a, on a daily basis, we, we need, I don't know how to put this. It's not the only way to fight for our freedom. And I don't want to take anything away from, from those that we've lost. Uh, a lot of times I think they uh, were sent to places they shouldn't have been. Um, and, and again, this is the time to reflect on that. And so what I do on Memorial Day uh, is read um, poems, you know, by soldiers, from, about soldiers, uh, written in combat from the War for Independence on. I was thinking maybe of doing ancient uh, historical battles. But the more you read a poetry of war, the more you realize it, it's, it's basically the same thing every time. Uh, it's the same feelings. It's the same, you know. Uh, total, you know, waste and futility, you know, and, and nobody really wins. It's just a question of who, I guess, loses less. But there's a cost. There's a cost to winning. There's a cost to losing. There's a cost to war. There's a huge cost. Um, but it's interesting that as you read the poems, there's, there's, you know, basically two types. There are those that glorify uh, the war, usually written by those that weren't there, and usually, you know, 50 to 100 years later. You know, sort of, written, you know, reflecting back. And there are those the poems that are written by those who are actually there. Uh, and it can be the civilians. It could be uh, uh, soldiers in combat. It could be any number of different people. But it's a very different, stark view of what's going on. So the real trick to this, uh, of course, is to avoid the war. Now, that doesn't mean you, you know, give up military and, you know, be peaceful, surrender, all that kind of stuff. No. No nation was ever attacked because it was too strong. Um, so that in, in essence, the, the logic is there that you have a military, you know, the best in the world, uh, so that you don't have to fight. And that's usually how it works. So it was it, uh, uh, the famous samurai Miyamoto Musashi, um, people didn't fight him, uh, because they knew he'd win. <laughs> so he was so good that almost, he almost never had to fight because the outcome was already predetermined. That's Sun Tzu, the art of war, same kind of thing. So the whole idea is to be so powerful that nobody would dare attack you because there's no point. They're not going to do anything. Uh, I believe that uh, most wars are fought by relatively equal combatants. Most invasions are done by superior forces on, on inferior forces. And the really stupid things are, are come out of ego and arrogance, like when Hitler attacked um, Stalin in Russia. Unbelievable. Oh, good. <laughs> my, my second guest has already checked in, and so that's wonderful. So what's going to make today's show so special is that in an hour um, – I have Catherine Arnett joining us, and so I'm just going to type a quick message to her, talk to you in an hour, just because, just because it's live radio and I can do it. Uh, so just don't mind me. <laughs> this is where I need, once I get myself a producer, it would be a whole lot easier uh, to be able to do things like this and just take a break or something like that. So let's just put talk in an hour. 
So she knows, I know. So you know, get your copy, Catherine. <laughs> now, Catherine, um, besides being an incredibly special friend of mine, uh, is, is fighting for freedom in a way that we don't usually talk about on Memorial Day. And whereas, you know, we, we, we do talk about the soldiers, we talk about the lives lost, we talk about, we should talk more about the lives saved, uh, more about the survivors. Uh, and uh, so we learn from this. I and mean, you want to learn from your bad experiences. You want to learn, for example, that it, it makes no sense to fight uh, a war that can't be won in Afghanistan for 20 years because no one knows what winning is, uh, and then to surrender, you know, and get a bunch of our people killed uh, and give up $85 billion worth of arms. That makes no sense unless your purpose is to destroy the United States, and that's one of the problems. So the real fight for freedom is right here. The fight for freedom, uh, the most important fight for freedom, is, is not on some foreign battlefield. Uh, it's not uh, someplace that's going to invade us because uh, we haven't been invaded, I think, since uh, the War of 1812 in terms of military and not since 9-11 in terms of terrorism. And so, but even then, the, the, the terrorists were not going to defeat this country. They weren't going to seize territory. They were just trying to destroy uh, part of us, in this case, the World Trade Center, um, the Pentagon, the White House, and the Capitol building. Unfortunately, they didn't succeed at that. But as far as an actual war, um, 1812 was the last invasion of the continental United States. World War II was the last invasion of territorial United States at that time, Hawaii, uh, with the invasion of Pearl Harbor by Japan. And so, but since World War II, something changed after World War II. We started fighting wars not to win. Uh, it's almost like when Eisenhower talked about the military-industrial complex, we talked about wars. We had wars that were fought to be fought, wars to make money for the military-industrial complex, wars to help the, uh, you know, the bankers with loans and the, the spenders and, and the people in Congress to you know, put money into their district with military bases, military contractors, you know, or defense contractors, things like that. So you take a look at, at wars that, that I think didn't have to be fought. Well, after World War II, pretty much all of them. Vietnam, Korea, Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, plus a lot of military interventions. And just because you have a military doesn't mean you have to use it. And I think one of the only presidents who didn't use it in recent history was Donald Trump um, for starting a war. He used the military, you know, took out ISIS, you know, uh, killed a couple of really bad people. And that makes sense. Get in, get out. If you can accomplish your mission with, a, with special forces and a limited operation, get in, you know, accomplish your goal and get out. That's ideal. I mean, that's perfect compared to 20 years of Afghanistan with all the, the lost lives and the, and the crippled lives. You know, I mean, wounded, wounded warriors shouldn't have to exist, but it does. And so part of what I like to do today, well, I don't know if I like to do it, but part of what I do on Memorial Day is read some of the more graphic and some of the more uh, intense poems and, and some of the more descriptive of what actually was going on at various times in history. And so that's what I'm going to do for the balance of this hour. Second hour, we're going to talk to Catherine Arnett, who I think has been court-martialed at least once, possibly on her second now. We've got her for a limited amount of time. I never know what's going to happen, whether she's going to uh, um, be a victim of yet another military um, example-making, because that's what they're doing with her. She refused to take the COVID shot. And quite honestly, she's the only one who is following the law, because the COVID shot is experimental, and troops cannot take experimental drugs. And so the idea of mating an experimental drug that's illegal is, <laughs> is a huge contradiction. And yet the people that are mandating something that they cannot legally mandate are, are court-martialing Catherine Arnett for basically following the real orders, in other words, following the law. And so rather than get into the particulars and say too much, I'm going to let her tell the story. Um, because it's still, this, is, this is ongoing. What do they, they call this? You know, they say an ongoing investigation means you can't question it. This is an ongoing case. And so we've got her today, and it's going to be incredible. 
uh, I think. We've got a couple of other folks I've invited um, to join us. And so, again, uh, Catherine, if you're listening now, hang tight for a bit. This is going to be uh, uh, an interesting hour. Uh, and then um, Jonathan will join us at the top of the hour as well with Catherine. And Dorothy, I'm not sure exactly um, what's going to happen with uh, – this is not a day for a sex and central report. It just isn't. So we're not going to do that in, in terms of that, but I'd love to have Dorothy's opinion on everything we're talking about. So as we go and as I see how things develop, if Catherine has more time, we might just keep her for the, you know, uh, for the whole two hours. I don't know. Uh, I just don't know yet. You know, this is one of those days we see what develops because it is a holiday. You know, and uh, who knows who, uh, who's going to be listening live and who's, uh, who has events that they uh, um, are doing. You know, there's a lot of events, I'm sure, at uh, um, Arlington National Cemetery. It's just too bad Brandon has to be there. Uh, there's a lot of other things that are going on around the country. We have our own uh, Veterans Memorial Park here in Milton, Florida, which will be having um, services as well. And so that's what's going on. Let me start with some poetry here. And so uh, I collect a bunch. Uh, the biggest problem is just too much of it. And there's so much that has been written. It's really quite staggering, the amount of material. So let me just start with some here. It, it, this is, it's kind of random. I mean, I read through a bunch of them, and I think, well, I'll write that one down. I think my list gets too long. It just, it just gets very cumbersome. So I just kind of start. And so this is from the, um, the website Hub Pages. That's H-U-B-P-A-G-E-S. Uh, and we're going to start off with Writer Fox. That is the, the, the pen name of the person. And the website is War Poetry, 50 Poems About War. I'm not going to read all 50, but I will read the ones that uh, – I mean, some of these I remember from year to year. It's really quite interesting. Uh, and unfortunately, they got a table of contents section that's not working, so I gotta have to go through these individually. All right, so let's 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 start with uh, the first poem. And this is by Ryder Fox. Um, see if I can get you a year. It doesn't give a year when it's written. Um, the poem is: There are a few things worth dying for. There are a few things worth living for. Land is not enough for either. It's only dust. And under that, the corpse is buried for six thousand years. And under that, the rock spewed forth from a thousand suns, and the sky is full of balls, like this one. You could have your pick of them. There are enough of them to go around, and then some. Land is not enough. There's always something more than that to drive the soldier to his duty. Don't shoot until you know it. If not, you'll miss the mark. Next poem. Uh... And I, I just, you know, you can think about these, you can look them up yourself, you can contemplate them. Um, the thing about radio is being a live medium and not having a visual, there's really not time for me to let you contemplate um, these poems. But just, just listen and, 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 uh, uh, and see how it hits you. Here's another one by Ryder Fox called Siren Swell. Siren Swell, this one's for real. It's not a drill. Slip the slurping baby from the breast. Bonds bellowing. There's no such thing as sheltering. Beneath the twisting tangle of these times. Full alert. The cannons spurt. Their total worth. His worth gyring on the vortices of pie. Wing to wing. The gathering. Exhibiting. There's no place like war. There's no place like war. There's no place like war. This is another one by Ryder Fox. General Staff Headquarters, Tel Aviv. That's what it's called. All your life you have trained for the day ahead of you, and this day is the Im imagining of the next day, of the next week, of the next war. And the budget is never enough, but it has to be enough. The draft numbers are never enough, but they have to be enough. 
and somewhere between, a line is drawn, stopping short of the right answer. Scan the sky and the sea and the ground. Intercept communications. Speak to the spies. Look for the signs. Prepare the defensive, offensive, defense. The retaliation response ratio. The if, then, what. Write the plan in the book of plans. Send for the savants of strategy. Tell them to forget the last war. The weapons have changed, and you shall not covet your neighbor's weapon. You must covet a better one, and someone will tell you the lands have not changed, but you know they have. You have the photographs. Calculate, anticipate the activation of the plan. How many sorties can a pilot fly before he drowns in the sea of his sweat and slips like a fish through the egg bubble? How many rounds can a young man fire before his eyes lose their focus and mist over the sights? How many times can the sea rock the sailor till his bones unbolt or the, at the joints? Calculate, anticipate the activation of the plan. Send the diplomats abroad. Send the equipment brokers abroad. Place your bets on the race. Who will buy for you a silver bowl of time? Calculate, anticipate the activation of the plan. Who will go door to door to the kingdoms of the earth? Count your friends. Find one. Find one. Dare someone to find one. And God said, you shall not fear, but fear is your employer, and the fear of myopia is the milk stirred in your morning coffee, curded to cheese in your lunch, fed to your meat for dinner, dining with Demona in your dreams, answering the call in the night, the instruments did not warn, the sonar did not detect, the spot on the lung, have someone's head for this. I'm not sure what Demona means. I'll look for that. And here we go. Okay, here it says, according to foreign media, Demona, Israel, is one of the locations of Israel's nuclear reactors. Israel's presumed nuclear capabilities are considered a weapon of last resort, also known as the Samson option. All right, Mark Twain, another uh, one of my favorite writers. Uh, one of his best pieces is uh, on the dangers of, dying in, uh, of staying in bed. He talks about all who die in bed. In other words, those who don't live their lives. They're stuck in bed. You know, they don't uh, take the trains. They don't take the boats. They don't travel. They don't experience. They don't take a risk. They don't climb mountains. They don't do anything. They just want to be safe. So they stay home and die in bed. You know, you, you die in bed most likely anyway. The question is what you do between times. So that's a great essay by him. So Mark Twain wrote the, the War Prayer. I'll give you a little background on this because this is one I do remember. The War Prayer in 1905 as a protest against the Philippine-American War. His publisher refused to publish it and his family objected too. Twain said, I have told the whole truth in that, and only dead men can tell the truth in this world. It can be published after I'm dead. Uh, I think that's exactly what happened. He says, the poem was published posthumously in 1916, two years after World War I began. It has been in print since that day. Of course, I give you a little video and all kinds of other things like that. Let me give you the war prayer by Mark Twain. O Lord, our Father, our young patriots, idols of our hearts, go forth to battle. Be thou near them, with them, in spirit. We also go forth from the sweet peace of our beloved firesides to smite the foe. O Lord, our God, help us to tear their soldiers to bloody shreds with our shells. Help us to cover their smiling fields with the pale forms of their patriot dead. Help us to drown the thunder of, their, of the guns with the shrieks of their wounded writhing in pain. Help us to lay waste their humble homes with a hurricane of fire. Help us to wring the hearts of their unoffending widows with unavailing grief. Help us to turn them out roofless with little children to wander unfriended, the waste of their desolated land in rags and hunger and thirst, sports of the sun flames of summer and the icy winds of winter. 
broken in spirit, worn in travail, travail, excuse me, imploring thee for the refuge of the grave and denied it for our sakes who adore thee. Lord, blast their hopes, blight their lives, protract their bitter pilgrimage, make heavy their steps, water their way with their tears, stain the white snow with the blood of their wounded feet. We ask it in the spirit of love of him who is the source of love and who is the ever faithful refuge and friend of all that are sore, beset and seek his aid with humble and contrite hearts. Yeah, you're going to have to think about that one for a little bit. And so Mark Twain, uh, one of my favorites, um, this one, I mean, I, I, this is one of the ones I read every year uh, and I should probably read it more often, but it is a contradiction, I believe, uh, to ask God's help in, uh, um, especially in a war where you, which is not of, uh, the other side, with the other side, whatever they are, the other nation's making. In other words, if you're attacked, self-defense is one thing. Offense is something entirely different. And the American-Philippine War, I think, falls under the, we were the offense at that particular point. I think it's Carl Sandburg is a famous poet also. Uh, they have a little blurb here. It says, uh, soldier poems. Soldier poems speak to every generation, for the underlying emotions are the same no matter what the war. This is what I was talking about earlier. In this collection of war poetry, you will find poems about soldiers, and you will find poems written by soldiers. Those are the ones I like to focus on uh, as much as I can, but um, sometimes the most popular poems, the ones that are easiest to find, are not the ones you want to read, because a lot of times they're the, the glorification of war, and I'll do that when I get to the, uh, uh, the charge of the light brigade, which is usually the poem I start with. But uh, it didn't quite work out. We'll get to the charge of the light brigade. One of the most disgusting glorifications of war ever. And it's interesting when you think about it that war, you know, bef- uh, the earlier wars, the 1800s wars, Napoleonic wars, big wars, you know, were glorified. And people were like, oh, let's go, <laughs> you know, uh, 1812, let's go. You know, the, the British, the United States, you know, the war in the colonies, hey, let's go. This is great. You know, young men, adventure. You know, they never talk of death. They never talk about the horrors of war. And they can get away with it before, you know, basically uh, movies. So the movies, you know, the old Fox Movie Tone News, and I don't think it's the same Fox as today. But anyway, Fox Movie Tone News was a company that did newsreels. And so when people, before television, this would be back in the early 1900s, when they go to the movies, you know, uh, even, I don't know if it's the sad, the sad movies, probably as soon as they had talking phones. Anyway, you had the Fox Movie Tone News. And probably other, other ways to get news out. Newspapers, of course, were doing it, too. It's not the same thing as, as watching something visually um, on a screen. Anyway, so the movies, the movies would show the real horrors of war. In World War I, you start to get movies back. And say, Wait a minute, that doesn't look like my image of war. And then World War II, of course, even worse. Uh, and by Vietnam, it was on television. And so it's interesting that the increase in coverage of war, we haven't had a world war since television began. I find that interesting. You know, it's a little harder to get uh, young men and now women to sign up um, for something that they don't believe in. And if I can be controversial again, why would you sign up to fight for an illegal government? I mean, that's what we've got. I've started calling him illegal Brandon for a reason. He's as illegal as the people he's bringing in. So if you don't even have a legal government, how can you have a legal, you know, declaration? And we're not going to get well. We're in a declaration of war since World War II. But any, any commitment of forces under this illegal administration is illegal. It's unjust. You know, so the question is, how do you get people to go when the government itself is illegal? No one seems to be asking that question, so I will. 
Let me get back to Carl Sandburg. He says, The People, Yes, by Carl Sandburg. The little girl saw the first troop parade and asked, What are those? Soldiers. What are soldiers? They are for war. They fight, and each tries to kill as many of the other side as he can. The girl held still and studied. Do you know something? I know something. Yes, what is it you know? Sometime they'll give a war, and nobody will come. Here's another one by Carl Sandburg, written in 1916, so this has been the middle of World War I. He says, and they obey. Smash down the cities, knock the walls to pieces, break the factories and cathedrals, warehouses and homes, into loose piles of stone and lumber and black burnt wood. You are the soldiers, and we command you. Build up the cities, set the walls again, put together once more the factories and cathedrals, warehouses and homes, into buildings for life and labor. You are workmen and citizens all. We command you. Huh. This is not my most exciting hour or whatever I do this. I mean, it has to be done. I mean, it should be done. But, um, you know, I just don't, uh, I just don't hold with uh, um, the glorification of war because I've studied it too much. doesn't mean I want to be in one. I don't. Um, in fact, I think a lot of what I do here at Action Radio, the fighting for our freedom, is to avoid war, is to avoid a civil war. You know, there are those, and I hear them all the time, you know, it's either ballots or bullets, and people don't trust ballots. Well, you've got to go to bullets. No, you don't. The whole reason for Action Radio is, is, is bills, is to change the laws that govern us, to have we the people actually, actually write the laws that we consent to be governed by, and supply those to government and say, here, this is how we consent to be governed. And with enough people behind those bills, I believe that they will pass because Congress, you know, will force to be representative if we can generate more power, more enthusiasm, more popular will uh, than the lobbyists can generate money. Can't get elected if you don't get the votes. And especially as we clean up uh, the voting systems and get rid of the machines and go back to paper ballots and actually uh, make sure that our elections are legal. It goes hand in hand with what we're doing here to get the laws passed that, uh, that bring back our freedom. Basically, what, we, what I'm looking for is, is 1776 ideals with 2023 technology. And it can't be done. There's a lot of doom and gloom people out there say it can't be done. Those people raise complaining to an art form. They say, no, it's too late. Everything's over. We're doomed, doomed, doomed. You're like, you know, Dr. Smith on Lost in Space. Doomed, doomed, we're doomed. No, we're not doomed. As long, you know, John Paul Jones, I have not yet begun to fight and the ship was sinking. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm just getting started. You know, same thing with Action Radio. Yeah, Don, are you kidding? You haven't seen anything yet. So be encouraged. But learn from the soldiers. Learn from the people that wrote about this. Learn that if we end up in Sudan or if our soldiers are sent to Ukraine, that there's no reason for it. None. Ukraine is a European problem. So you got Russia, Eastern Europe, and Western Europe. Let them figure it out. Their problem. A Dead Statesman by Rudyard Kipling, 1865 to 1936. He says, I could not dig. I dared not rob. Therefore, I lied to please the mob. Now all my lies are, pay, are proved untrue, and I must face the men I slew. What tale shall serve me here among mine angry and defrauded young? Good to say War of Independence. At least they say War of Independence and not Revolutionary War, because although we did, we're causing a revolution of thought, we weren't revolting, so to speak. Let me read you one of the more glorification uh, poems. I never really liked this one, but I read it anyway. 
um, because it, uh, I think it misses the point, it tries to make, you know, the, the battle look good. I mean, battles are necessary. I mean, we, it was necessary for us to, to do battle with England to get our freedom. It was necessary. But war itself is a bad thing. And so the, the question is, that was, you, know, you want to talk about fighting for our freedom? Probably the greatest moment in the, in, in the history of this country was that war with Britain, as fighting for our freedom directly. The soldiers, everybody, the entire, entire colonies were, were fighting for our freedom to become a nation. And I question now that I think there's a lot more ways people are fighting for freedom, a lot more ways people have to fight for freedom. So I asked Catherine to come on the show. She's fighting for freedom more than, than uh, almost anybody else I know. She's the bravest person I know. And so we're going to hear her story. It's going to be, again, I think a very interesting um, second hour. Third hour, I have no idea what's going to happen. We'll, we'll know that when we get there. Conquered Him by Ralph Waldo Emerson, written in 1836. By the rude bridge that arched the flood, their flag to April's breeze unfurled. Here once the embattled farmer stood and fired the shot heard round the world. The foe long since in silence slept, alike the conqueror silent sleeps, and time the ruined bridge has swept down the dark stream which seaward creeps. On this green bank, by this soft stream, we set today a voted stone, that memory may their deed redeem, when, like our sires, our sons are gone. Spirit that made these heroes dare to die and leave their children free, bid time and nature gently spare, the shaft we raise to them and thee. I hear from the Civil War. It's really quiet here today. <laughs> Nobody's calling. Nobody's on live chat. It's just me. Just me talking. Jacob Goodpasture um, is the title of the poem. Edgar Lee Masters is the author uh, from the Spoon River Anthology. He says, when, when Fort Sumter fell and more came, I cried out in bitterness of soul, O glorious republic, now no more. When they buried my soldier's son to the call of trumpets and the sound of drums, my heart broke beneath the weight of 80 years, and I cried, O son who died in a cause unjust, in the strife of freedom slain, and I crept here under the grass, and now from the battlements of time, behold, thrice 30 million souls being bound together in the love of larger truth, wrapped in the expectation of the birth of a new beauty, Sprung, sprung from brotherhood and wisdom. I, with eyes of spirit, see the transfiguration before you see it. But ye infinite brood of golden eagles nesting ever higher, wheeling ever higher, the sunlight wooing of lofty places of thought, forgive the blindness of the departed owl. All right, I'm going to skip down a little bit. There's some that I recognize. This one I recognize, Walt Whitman, another amazing poet uh, of our times. This one's called The Wound Dresser. Bearing the bandages, water and sponge, straight and swift, to my wounded I go. Where they lie on the ground, after the battle brought in, where their priceless blood reddens the grass, the ground. Or to the rows of the hospital tent, or under the roofed hospital. To the long rows of cots, up and down each side I return. To each and all, one after another, I draw near. Not one do I miss. An attendant follows, holding a tray. He carries a refuse pail, soon to be filled with clotted rags and blood, emptied and filled again. I onward go. I stop, with hinged knees and steady hand, to dress wounds. I am firm with each. The pangs are sharp, yet unavoidable. One turns to me his appealing eyes. Poor boy, I never knew you. 
Yet I think I could not refuse this moment to die for you if that would save you. On, on I go. Open the doors of time. Open hospital doors. The crushed head I dress. Poor crazed hand, tear not the bandage away. The neck of the cavalryman with the bullet through and through I examine. Hard, the breathing rattles. Quite glazed already the eye. Yet life struggles hard. Come, sweet death. Be persuaded, O beautiful death. In mercy, come quickly. From the stump of the arm, the amputated hand, I undo the clotted lint, remove the slough, wash off the matter and blood. Back on his pillow, the soldier bends with curved neck and side falling hard, side falling head, excuse me. His eyes are closed. His face is pale. He dares not look at the bloody stump and yet, and has not yet looked on it. I dress a wound in the side, deep, deep, but a day or two more, for see the frame all wasted and sinking and the yellow-blue countenance see. I dress the perforated shoulder, the foot with a bullet wound, cleanse the one with a gnawing and putrid gangrene, so sickening, so offensive, while the attendant stands beside me, behind me, holding the tray and pail. I am faithful. I do not give out. The fractured thigh, the knee, the wound in the abdomen, these and more I dress with impassive hand, yet deep in my breast a fire, a burning flame." Yeah, I remember these. Remember these some times passing. Skip down a little bit. Yeah, let's see. We got we got First World War. This is uh, Wilfred Owen. It says many First World War. war start again. Many First World War poems were written by soldier poets. That is, soldiers who wrote poetry while in action, rather than poets who wrote about soldiers. And it says the British son Wilfred Edgar Salter Owen was killed in action in northern France in 1918 fighting a courageous battle that posthumously earned him the military cross. He was 25 years old. His death came one week before the armistice. His poems survived in letters written to his mother, in his diaries, and in handwritten manuscripts found in his body. Only a handful of his poems were published prior to his death. In May 1918, he wrote a preface for his collection of poetry that he hoped to be, hoped to be published. Here's a, an excerpt here. He says, this book is not about heroes. English poetry is not yet fit to speak of them. Nor is it about deeds or lands or anything about glory, honor, mighty, might, majesty, dominion, or power, except war. Above all, I am not concerned with poetry. My subject is war and the pity of war. The poetry is the pity, yet these eulogies are to this generation in no sense consolatory. Excuse me. They may be to the next. All a poem can do, excuse me, all a poet can do today is warn. That is why the true poets must be truthful. If we can get one of his here. Here's one of his, uh, this one I remember too from, from previous years. Dulce et decorum est. It's Latin. Uh, let me see if I, let me get the translation for you. It is sweet and right to die for one's country. And that comes from Horace, Oudes, you know, uh, three. And for those of you that uh, reach in Greek literature. Anyway, they, or is it ancient Ro- Horace, I guess is Roman. I'm sorry. Dulce et decorum est by Wilfred Owen. Bent double like old beggars under sacks, knock-kneed coughing like hags, we cursed through sludge, till on the haunting flares we turned our backs, and towards our distant rest began to trudge. Men marched asleep. Many had, last, had lost their boots, but limped on, bloodshot, all went lame, all blind, drunk with fatigue, deaf even to the hoots of, of tired, outstripped five-nines that dropped behind. Gas, gas, quick, boys. 
an ecstasy of fumbling, fitting the clumsy helmets just in time. But someone still was yelling out and stumbling and floundering like a man in fire or lime. Dim through the misty panes and thick green light, as under a green sea, I saw him drowning in all my dreams before my helpless sight. He plunges at me, muttering, choking, drowning. If in some smothering dreams you too could pace behind the wagon that we flung him in and watch the white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face, like a devil sick of sin. If you could hear at every jolt the blood come gargling from the froth-corrupted lungs, obscene as cancer, bitter as the cud of vile, incurable sores on innocent tongues, my friend, you would not tell with such high zest to children ardent for some desperate glory the old lie, dulce et decorum est, pro patria mori. So one might be wondering why I'm not reading a lot of American poems. Um, these are just ones I found that kind of come from all over. I think Wilfred Owen is, is British. Uh, obviously, he's British. Um, there's, there's more. There's more. I might... Uh, A lot of these get fairly similar after a while. One of the most famous is by John Alexander McRae, a Canadian medical doctor and artillery veteran of the Second Boer War, fighting for the British in South Africa. This is from the website, obviously. He served in World War I as a surgeon at the Canadian hospital set up in northern France, where he died of pneumonia in 1918. He once remarked to a friend, all the goddamn doctors in this world will not win this bloody war. What we need is more and more fighting men. He wrote In Flanders Fields, perhaps the most famous of all World War I poems, when a close friend died in battle. So here's In Flanders Fields by Lieutenant Colonel John McRae. In Flanders Fields, the poppies blow, beneath the crosses row on row, that mark our place, and in the sky, the larks, still bravely singing, fly. Scarce heard amid the guns below, we are the dead, short days ago, we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, Loved and were loved, now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe, to you from failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. Huh. A couple more here, and I'm going to switch over to a different website. Here's one called The General written by Siegfried Sassoon, 1917, while serving in World War I. Good morning, good morning, the general said, when we met him last week on our way to the line. Now the soldiers he smiled at are most of them dead, and we're cursing his staff for incompetent swine. He's a cheery old card, grunted Harry to Jack, as they slogged up to Arras with rifle and pack, but he did for them both by his plan of attack. Yeah, one of the biggest things about World War I were the generals who ordered day after day, week after week, month after month, uh, for people to, uh, you know, basically do bayonet charges into barbed wire and machine guns. It was suicide. It was crazy. And yet that's what they did. All right. Let me see. Uh, let me get to Carl Sandburg. Yeah. Do a Carl Sandburg one. Then I might take a break here. Written in 1916. In the old wars, drum of hooves and beat of shod feet. In the new wars, hum of motors and the tread of rubber tires. In the wars to come, silent wheels and whir of rods not yet dreamed of, dreamed out in the heads of men. 
In the old wars, clutches of short swords and jabs into faces with spears. In the new wars, long-range guns and smashed walls, guns running a spit of metal and men falling in tens and twenties. In the wars to come, new silent deaths, new silent hurlers, not yet dreamed out in the heads of men. In the old wars, kings quarreling and thousands of men following. In the new wars, kings quarreling and millions of men following. In the wars to come, kings kicked under the dust and millions of men following great causes not yet dreamed out in the heads of men. Yeah, that's pretty prophetic. That's 1916, and uh, I, there's a lot that had to, that uh, a lot in that for us today. Okay, let me see if I want to uh, Spanish American World War II poetry. Here's one, Aristocrats by Keith Douglas. The noble horse with courage in his eye, clean in the bone, looks up at a shell burst. Away fly the images of the shires, but he puts the pipe back in his mouth. Peter was unfortunately killed by an 88. It took his leg away. He died in the ambulance. I saw him crawling on the sand. He said, it's most unfair. They've shot my foot off. How can I live among this gentle, obsolescent breed of heroes and not weep? Unicorns, almost. For they are fading into two legends in which their stupidity and chivalry are celebrated. Each fool and hero will be an immortal. These plains were, were their cricket pitch, and the mountains, the tremendous drop fences, brought down some of the runners. Here then, under the stones and earth, they, dispo- they dispose themselves. I think with their famous unconcern. It is not gunfire, I hear, but a hunting horn. Yeah, I'm going to do, let me see, let's get to World War Two. Oh, Troop Train. This is one of those, another one that I remember, uh, the famous poems. Troop Train by Carl Shapiro. It stops the town we come through, workers raise, it, their oily arms in good statue salute and grin. Kids scream, as at a circus, businessmen glance hopefully and go the measured way. And women standing at the dumbstruck door more slowly wave and seem to warn us back, as if a tear blinding the course of war might once dissolve our iron in their sweet wish. True to the world, O clustered on ourselves, we hang as from a cornucopia in total friendliness with faces bunched to spray the streets with catcalls and with leers. A bottle smashes on the moving ties and eyes fixed on a lady smiling pink, stretched like a rubber band and snap and sting, the mouth that wants the drink of water kiss. And on through crummy continents and days, deliberate, grimy, slightly drunk we crawl, the good bad boys of circumstance and chance, whose bucket helmets bang the empty wall, where twist the murdered bodies of our packs next to the guns that only seem themselves. In distance, like a strap adjusted shrinks, tightens across the shoulder and holds firm. Here is a deck of cards. Out of this hand, dealer, deal me my luck, a pair of bulls, the right to draw a flush, the one-eyed jack. Diamonds and hearts are red, but spades are black, and spades are spades, and clubs are clovers. Black, but deal me winners, souvenirs of peace. This stands to reason and arithmetic. Luck also travels, and not all come back. Trains lead to ships, and ships to death or trains, and trains to death or trucks, and trucks to death. Or trucks lead to the march, the march to death, or that survival, which is all we are hope. And death leads back to trucks and trains and ships. But life leads to the march, O flag, at last, the place of life found after trains and death, nightfall of nations, brilliant after war. Okay, let me switch. Actually, there's one poem that always stood out with me from uh, World War II. It's called The Death of the Ball Turret Gunner. 
And uh, uh, it's it's on one of these sites, but I I pull it out separately just because it's only five lines. But um, for those that don't know, a ball turret uh, is the bottom of a B-17. And what's there is it's the the belly, usually referred to as the belly gunner. In fact, I actually knew uh, a belly gunner um, who was a pilot, you know, in in Oakland, California when I was teaching flying. And Ace Darrow, they called him Ace, he actually shot planes down from the belly. And so that would be Messerschmitt's Fockwolf's things like that. Anyway, so, but the ball turret was a precarious place. It was incredibly dangerous um, because it could get jammed. And if the gear didn't come down and they couldn't raise the ball turret, then that the ball turret, and they couldn't get the ball turret person out, they died when the airplane landed. And that happened, you know, some, I guess a fair amount of times when they had, um, you know, planes letting gear up. You know, you almost wish they had like an escape hatch where they could just, uh, you know, have like a fail-safe opening where they could drop out and, and pull a parachute. But, you know, this, this was a war and stuff happened. This is Randall Gerald. This is a very controversial poem at the time. You'll see why um, very shortly. This is the death of the ball turret gunner. From my mother's sleep, I fell into the state and I hunched in its belly till my wet fur froze. Six miles from earth, loosed from its dream of life. I woke to black flack and the nightmare fighters. When I died, they washed me out of the turret with a hose. So I'll let you sit with that for a bit. I'm trying to think what to, I don't want to just play commercials. That doesn't seem right. Um, There's just, there's something, I don't know. There's something kind of special about what we do here on this day. I got some others for you. I got many others for you. Let me see if I can find some of the ones I was looking at. Uh, we got. Cont- All right, let me give you some of the more modern ones. Let me just. Uh, want to take a break at this time? No, nah, I think I can go through it. There's something innocuous I can play for you. Yeah, let me see. Let me give you my. Where's my fights and drums? We'll play that for you now. Um, not to glorify war, but just to just because I need just going to take a quick break here, and we'll check with some of my my messages. I'll be right back. Here we go. So we're back here, and I've got some older poems, some newer poems, some different things here. Let me read you the worst, uh, the one that that, uh, that glorifies war and the one that always has bothered me the most. And so because, they, you know, most of the soldiers died, so they're glorifying um, the death of a whole bunch of folks. This is Alfred Lord Tennyson, The Charge of the Light Brigade. You'll see what I mean as I read it. 
again, this is before television and movies, before they uh, uh, had to ask people if they wanted to go. Half a league, half a league, half a league onward. All in the valley of death rode the 600. Forward, the light brigade, charge for the guns, he said. Into the valley of death rode the 600. Forward, the light brigade. Was there a man dismayed? Not through, not though the soldier knew, someone had blundered. There's not to make reply. There's not to reason why. There's but to do and die. Into the valley of death rode the 600. Cannon to the right of them, cannon, cannon to the left of them, cannon in front of them, volleyed and thundered, stormed at with shot and shell. Boldly they rode and well into the jaws of death, into the mouth of hell rode the 600. Flashed all their sabers bare, flashed as they turned in air, sabering the gunners there, charging an, enemy, an army while all the world wondered, plunged in the battery smoke, right through the line they broke. Cossack and Russian reeled from the saber stroke, shattered and sundered. Then they rode back, but not the 600, not the 600. Cannon to the right of them, cannon to the left of them, cannon behind them, volleyed and thundered, stormed at with shot and shell, while horse and hero fell. They that fought so well came through the jaws of death, back from the mouth of hell, all that was left of them, left of 600. When can their glory fade? Oh, the wild charge they made. All the world wondered. Honor the charge they made. Honor the light brigade. Noble 600. So this was an unmitigated British disaster. Um, sending troops in with sabers uh, against cannon, um, artillery uh, on all sides, including behind them eventually. It was a slaughter. And, and yet Alfred Lord Tennyson, in order to glorify war, uh, says, honor the charge they made. No, somebody should have had a brain and said, no, we're not going to do this. This is suicide. You know, bravely, bravely, they followed orders and died. And so we need to honor the fight, honor the soldier, but not glorify the stupidity that seems to happen way too often. Um, anybody wants to join me, feel free. 215-383-3832. I haven't taken calls yet. I think most people don't realize I'm live. I think this is going to be one of those podcast shows. Uh, nobody's on live chat. And so I got Jonathan and uh, Catherine joining us at the top of the hour. And who knows who else? <laughs> like I say, it could be a very interesting day here. Uh, let, me, uh, let me see if I can uh, get some other ones here that, uh, that I have, I have uh, picked out. All right, here's one that says, uh, this is more, these are some of the more modern poems. Uh, Ilya Kaminsky, We Lived Happily During the War. That's the title, We Lived Happily During the War. And when they bombed other people's houses, we protested, but not enough. We opposed them, but not enough. I was in my bed. Around my bed, America was falling. Invisible house by invisible house by invisible house. I took a chair outside and watched the sun. In the sixth month of a disastrous rain in the house of money, in the street of money, in the city of money, in the country of money, our great country of money, we forgive us lived happily during the war. Let me get you the Hurt Locker. It's another uh, amazing poem. Brian Turner. Nothing but hurt left here. Nothing but bullets and pain. And the bled out slumping and all the <laughs> F word and goddamns and Jesus Christ of the wounded. Nothing left here but the hurt. Believe it when you see it. Believe it when a 12-year-old rolls a grenade into a room or when a sniper punches a hole deep in someone's skull. Believe it when four men step from a taxi cab in Mosul to shower the street in brass and fire. 
Open the hurt locker and see what there is of knives and teeth. Open the hurt locker and learn how rough men come hunting for souls. And we have some other ones here. It's really quiet in here right now. <laughs> so I wonder if I, hopefully I'm still broadcasting. Oh, let's see if we have someone here. Oh, here's one. After experience taught me. This is by W.D. Snodgrass. After experience taught me that all the ordinary surroundings of social life are futile and vain. I'm going to show you something very ugly. Someday it might save your life. Seeing that none of the things I feared contain in themselves anything either good or bad. What if you were caught without a knife? Nothing, even a loop of piano wire. Expecting only in the effect they had upon my mind, I resolved to inquire. Take the first two fingers of this hand, fork them out, kind of a V for victory. Whether there might be something whose discovery would grant me supreme, unending happiness. And jam them into the eyes of your enemy. You have to do this hard, very hard, then press. No virtue can be thought to have priority over this endeavor to preserve one's being. Both fingers down around the cheekbone and setting your foot high into the chest. No man can desire to act rightly, to be blessed, to live rightly without simultaneously. You must call up every strength you own and you can rip off the whole facial mask. Wishing to be, to act, to live. He must ask first, in other words, to actually exist. And you, whiner, who waste your time dawdling over the remorseless earth, what evil, what unspeakable crime have you made your life worth? I always say that's two people talking within that poem. That's why I did the, my, my changing my voice. Hopefully it worked. <laughs> sure. All right, what else have I got here? I actually wrote a few of these down. There's, there's so many uh, um, different poems here. At the Bomb Testing Site by Wilfred E. Stafford. At noon in the desert, a, painting liz- a painting, panting lizard, let me start again. At noon in the desert, a panting lizard waited for history, its elbows tense, watching the curve of a particular road as if something might happen. It was looking at something far off that people could see, an important scene, acted in stone for little cells at the flute end of consequences. There was just a continent without much on it under a sky that never cared less, ready for a change. The elbows waited. The hands gripped hard on the desert. Needless to say, I'm flipping back and forth. seeing a lot of different things here. I did that one. Oh, here's, see if I can find this one. There are a couple of different sections. Uh, again, this was, uh, I'll find it. There we go. Anthem for Doomed Youth, and this is Wilfred Owen again. What passing bells for those who die as cattle? Only the monstrous anger of the guns, only the stuttering rifles' rapid rattle can patter out their hasty horizons. No mockeries now for them, no prayers nor bells, nor any voice of mourning save the choirs, the shrill, demented choirs of wailing shells and bugles calling for them, from sad shires. What candles may be held to speed them all? Not in the hands of boys, but in their eyes shall shine the holy glimmers of goodbyes. The pallor of girls' brows shall be their pall, their flowers the tenderness of patient minds, and each slow dusk a drawing down of blinds. A lot of this is very metaphorical, a lot of it's uh, very uh, image-based. Messages coming in here. 
Okay. Don't mind me. I'm just going to check something real quickly. And uh, so I got to, uh, hopefully Josie's going to call in. But yeah, anybody's welcome to call. I mean, I'm just, I kind of like people calling, so I know that uh, that uh, all the transmitters are working. I still don't have levels. I wish I did uh, to tell when I'm broadcasting. All right, so 215-383-3832. Anybody's welcome to join us. Uh, we also have live chat working. Uh, Skype line, if you want to call on the Skype line, you have to call the day before so I can approve your account, and then we can get you on. But yeah, anybody's welcome to call. Let me see if I can find you another couple of uh, uh, things here. Yeah, I think I'm the only person that does this. Um, on Memorial Day, but that's kind of what we do here. Grass by Carl Sandburg. Pile the bodies high at Austerlitz and Waterloo. Shovel them under and let me work. I am the grass. I cover all. And pile them high at Gettysburg and pile them high at Ypres and Verdun. Shovel them under and let me work. Two years, ten years, and passengers ask the conductor, what place is this? Where are we now? I am the grass. Let me work. So we can get you one or two more here. Uh, coming at the top of the hour, and I'll probably play, we're going to be changing moods a little bit. So uh, this is your thinking hour. Uh, here's one. Gettysburg. Yeah, the Gettysburg poem is uh, pretty intense. There we go. Gettysburg, July 1st, 1863, by Jane Kenyon. We don't have a lot, there's a lot of... Uh, it's interesting, you know, I, t- I should probably find more poems by women. Uh, as I said, I'm looking for soldiers. Soldiers, but mostly men. Um, but it doesn't mean that uh, this, this, this person can't write uh, a very intense poem. Jane Kenyon, K-E-N-Y-O-N. The young man, hardly more than a boy, who fired the shot that looked at him with an air, not of anger, but of concentration, as if he were veying a road or feeding a length of wood into a saw. It had to be done just so. The bullet passed through his upper chest, below the collarbone. The pain was not what he might have feared. Strangely exhilarated, he staggered out of the pasture and into the grove of trees. He pressed and pressed, the wound trying to staunch the blood, but he could only press what he could reach, and he could not reach his back where the bullet had exited. He lay on the earth, smelling the leaves and mosses, musty and damp and cool, after the blaze of open afternoon. How good the earth smelled as it had when he was a boy hiding from his father, who was intent on strapping him for doing his chores late one time too many. A cupboard razzed him from a fence. It isn't mockery, he thought, no malice in it, just a noise. Stray bullets nicked the oaks overhead. Leaves and splinters fell. Someone near, the gr- someone near him groaned, but it was his own voice he heard. His fingers and feet tingled, the roof of his mouth and the bridge of his nose. He became dry, dry and thought of christ who said i thirst his man smell the smell of his hair and skin his sweat the salt smell of his cock and the little ferny hairs that two women had known left him and a sharp almost sweet smell began to rise from his open mouth in the warm shade of the oaks a streak of sun climbed the rough trunk of a tree but he did not see it with his open eye let's bring on josie here Good morning, Josie. This is a little uh, intense for me. I'm sort of coming to the end of my emotions uh, after I do an hour of this. It's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I didn't Good morning. know if I was going to call today or not. 
I'm good. I went to bed late, so I'm sleepy. But I said I'm going to get up and see who's your guest going to be at eight. So yeah, I've been I've been very cautious about this because well, it's Catherine Arnett, and we talked. We were talking yesterday. This show kind of came together yesterday afternoon um, because Catherine has been court-martialed once, maybe twice. I'm not sure. We're going to find out. She refused to take the COVID jab. Mm-hmm. Uh, I explained earlier that uh, that this this mandate was basically illegal because they mandated soldiers to take an illegal to take yeah. an experimental drug. So we all know that. So, but the process is still ongoing. And so I don't want to jeopardize her or her case, but if she wants to tell yes, a story, yes. I want to provide her the opportunity to do so. So I'm, this is why I've been kind of cagey about it. Yeah. And so uh, I'll, okay. I'll, we'll see how it goes. Jonathan's going to join us at the top of the hour as he always does. Dorothy, I'm not sure. Uh, we're going to sort of see what's happening. She had uh, uh, wanted someone else to kind mm-hmm. of join us. We might want to do that another time, but this is too important. Anyway, sure. um, but let me get your thoughts on Memorial Day but, and just, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, Memorial Day, uh, to me, being from another country, it's uh, for the men and women that die for us, and we have to remember them. It's not about getting drunk, go to the beach, have a blast. You know, people really seriously, to me, I mean, it's nice to go to the beach with your family because you have your day off, but. It's like, oh, happy memorial. It's not a happy memorial to me. It's a sad times, you know. Of course, we have to continue life. But to me, I'm so thankful that they gave their life for us to be free. In our freedom, it's, they've been trying to take it away from us. And yeah. what I see, mm-hmm. go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Well, as I said, this is, this is the important what point. I, and like I say, at, at the risk of being controversial, there are more ways to fight for freedom. And I don't want to, I don't want to isolate the fight for freedom uh, as much as we should and must honor those who have fallen, who have given their lives mm-hmm. for this free country. This free country is rapidly not becoming a free country. So the real fight for our freedom is right here. That's what, what you and I do and what, yeah. what millions of people across the country are doing. Uh, and that's not going to be recognized yeah. in the same way. There's not going to be a, uh, um, you know, a patriot civilian day. Because it's not the same thing. But, I don't know if we need it. You know, I'll, now, I'll just take the freedom. I don't need the war. Know, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but now that I know a lot, uh, this corrupt system, they've been creating the wars. So a lot of mm-hmm. our young people really has murder uh, for for us. They think they're going to fight for us, but and it's true. But these people have been. Uh, orchestrated all the wars, this uh, party of criminals mm-hmm. that we have in our system from way back. They have done it all. And uh, a lot of stuff will eventually come out, all the truth, the real truth about everything. And uh, I'm waiting for that day. I have a 92-year-old woman. Uh, she's a family of my mother-in-law. And I talk to her every week uh, because she really doesn't have a lot of friends to talk to, you know. Most of them are very old, and so I'm not 90. I'm 64. So she has a good time with me, and she says, I want to be alive. I want to make sure I'm here when everything gets released. I can hardly wait. And she tells me that every week. I'm living for that day, she goes. I said, well, you better hang on, you know. So I hope and pray that everything gets released 
and uh, it will be a sad, sad day when a lot of family members find out that their loved ones die because they will organize the whole thing, you know. So oh, yeah. It's, it's, well, it's just corrupt, corrupt. Well, the real battle is to fight to not have the war in the first place. I mean, that to me is the real battle. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we do, you know, especially when you realize the extent of the military industrial complex of just how bad these things mm-hmm. get. Um, so, uh, in fact, I just, we just had, uh, <laughs> uh I got, uh, <laughs> uh, what? uh no, it, Catherine was on the line. So, you know, I had her on the board. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to give her the number again. So we're just, we're kind of doing uh, this is where I need a producer. <laughs> and so I just have to give her my number. <laughs> okay. It's live radio. I can do anything. Oh, there she is again. Mm-hmm. Nope, that's a different number. That's Jonathan. So let's bring Jonathan in the conversation Jonathan. here, and we're just we're just waiting on yeah. uh, on uh, Catherine to get back to us. She should call any second now. So Jonathan, welcome to our very interesting Memorial Day live show. Uh, did you get a chance to hear any of uh, of, of uh, the poetry I've been reading the last hour? No, sorry. Um, okay. I, I've been been fairly sick here, but uh, um, oh no! Well, at least you're here. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, All right. It's apparently, uh, according to your home test, it's not COVID. It's probably some rare um, uh, tropical disease for which there's no cure. No, I'm, I'm just teasing. No, that's, but, um, brain. Anyway. that's brain. That's why a lot of people are getting sick. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Go ahead. The reason I got I Catherine on the line now. Yeah. The reason I say that is that uh, we forget the days when they were just colds. You know, everything when people got sick before COVID existed. Anyway. Yeah, we just um, got sick. Remember we just got sick when we got sick and that was it? Let me, um, yeah, let me bring exactly. that. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let me, uh, anyway, so today's, go ahead, today's Memorial Day and I don't want to, uh, you know, given our tendency to get distracted. Um, so you're, you're waiting for a call back. That, no, she's already here. We're at? She's already here on the line. I'm going to bring her on right now. Uh, let, me just, 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 uh, let me introduce you to Catherine Arnett. I'm going to make her line live right. now. So Catherine's a very special friend of mine, probably the bravest person I know. Uh, court marshals. I don't know where we are in the process now. And Catherine, I just want to give you, you know, my standard uh, caution. Uh, please don't say anything that you think in any way, you know, might jeopardize your <clears> current <throat> situation. Um, but as much as you want to tell, I want to hear. And I think everybody should hear. And I'll be sending this probably to certainly my congressman, Matt Gates, and who knows who else. Uh, so, and we can talk about that after the show too. But Catherine, why don't you uh, come on back and uh, introduce yourself once again. And I, I'm just going to turn it over to you. You can explain as much as you want and take all the time you want. And let me just give you uh, a, a, let me just, my, my customary uh, round of applause right here. So that's for you. So, Millions hey, of glory, people behind you, even if you can't all, see them. All the praise Go and ahead, glory Jesse. to God. Thank you so oh, much, Greg. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I'm sorry I interrupted you there. Um, I was Josie talking for a second. Yeah, go ahead. It's all yours. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I'd, I'd, I think it'd probably be better uh, with, like, some questions just because, you know, the military definitely put me in jail so I wouldn't have media access or like, you know, spiritual or community support. So, you know, if there's something I can't answer, I could definitely politely decline. But uh-huh. um, maybe some maybe some questions would help like. Um, OK, well, let me tell you, help, you're among friends help, here. Uh, in, start it first. Yeah. Yeah. OK. No, you've got friends here, first of all. And so Jonathan uh, hi, has worked. Hi, hi, friends. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jonathan's work Good morning. With, um, Good morning. Yeah, so morning. just introduce my group. So Jonathan's work with uh, January 6 people. Uh, in fact, we even had Stuart Rhodes, who was uh, is the head of the Oath Keepers, who just got convicted uh, unjustly for 18 years um, for what they're calling seditious mm-hmm. conspiracy, which is ironic because the people who convicted them actually stole the government, which is a seditious conspiracy. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the mm-hmm. people that ordered you to take an experimental COVID jab uh, when they can't order you to take experimental COVID jabs <laughs> because they, you can't take experimental medicine. Um, and so then we got Josie here, who's originally from Nicaragua. Uh, Josie's known me the longest, goes back to my WBY days, and has been fighting for freedom her whole life. And so those are the two folks I'm with you. Um, I've invited also, and I don't think we'll get him today, but we'll get him sometime, Roger Roots, who defended the Bundys, uh, and he was the one that defended uh, Stuart uh, Rhodes. So um, I, we're just going to go around the panel here. So my first question is, when you first heard about the COVID jab, uh, how did it all get started? Yeah. That, uh, you know, how did, and how did you refuse this? So let's, let's start there. What happened? Yeah, so I would probably, I, I think I'm going to have to start with March of 2021. Um, okay. Aboard MCAS Iwakuni, they corralled everyone into one of the gyms there. And they're like, uh-huh. stand here, stand there, go sign this, go answer this question, go talk to this doctor. And it was basically like vetting us. It was like, who's going to get the vaccine? Who's not going to get the vaccine? Who do we need to kind of, you know, start pushing or grilling or you know, just uh, hounding to get it. And it wasn't mandatory back then, Mm -hmm. but it was basically foreshadowing the fact that it's on its way, get ready. So myself and the other people um, who knew they weren't going to get it, we kind of started gathering together, rallying for support. And then, of course, August of 2021 comes around, and September, the following month, it's then implemented and mandated aboard the base. and for six Where's months, it was just like Which window. base are we talking about? Yeah. Where, where, where were you? Marine Corps Air Station Iwakuni. Where's that? In Japan, sir. Sorry. Okay. That's all right. No, no problem. It's, you know. Yeah. I want to make sure everybody else does, too. In fact, Catherine called us from yes, Japan absolutely. the first time on the Skyfly. Main, yeah, so mainland the, Japan, about an hour southwest flight of Tokyo. Um, really cute little quaint town. But what was it was the mission a bunch there? of... <laughs> What, what do we have a base in Irukuni, Japan for? What, what is it what is, that you can tell me, of course? What were they doing there? What were you all doing there? It's about a 30-minute drive from Hiroshima. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of um, American bases. There's, like, you know, the Navy bases with Sasebo and everything. But, no, it's an, it's an air station. So. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. All right. There's there's a lot there's a lot spread out in Japan, and of course uh, Okinawa was the most heavily populated um, American bases there. But yeah, well, I can look those up, and then we can talk about that sometime. So actually, we should start even further back. I got a question, a couple questions, and I'll turn it over to our group here. Um, why the Marines? Absolutely. What was it about? Uh, how'd you pick them? The legacy of the Marines really, really attracted me. Just the the mystique, first of all, the mystique of female drill mm-hmm. instructors was just so mm-hmm. attractive and so alluring. And, and, and I know a lot of people think I'm crazy for saying this after all the hell that I've been through, but I still want to re-enlist and I still want to complete my dream of being a drill instructor. So, um, Well, don't give up on it. Listen, I, I didn't find a job I liked till I was 57, so don't worry about it. You know, there's time. <laughs> Keep going. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so the only other question I just got to get through this second. Yeah. I just got to get through this second round of court martial. 
How many people can say that on the planet? I have, I have my second round of court martial. You're such a badass. And you really are. I mean, I, I completely respect you and everything you're doing. And I'm, you know, this show, if, if the, the, the government or anybody tells you you can't have media access, call me immediately. I'll give you media access. Not a problem. Uh, I happen to know some Absolutely. senior folks in the Trump administration, the previous one, and they're going to get this too. <laughs> yeah. so you, you, can, you can leave a message for anybody you want, uh, as far as I'm concerned. So just yes, uh, one, one quick question. Okay. Oh, call me Greg, please. We're friends. How many, how many other folks right, were Greg. there? There you go. How many other folks were there at the time who didn't want the jab? And, and I'm just curious, did they change their mind? Because they seem to have picked on you as the target, as the example. Absolutely. It was definitely because I uh, started talking to Sons of Liberty and RFK um, yes, last, last year. Um, okay. There's about, there's a handful left aboard MCAS Iwakuni that have not mm-hmm. gotten the job and that, and that are rocking and rolling, in the words of one of my senior leaders. Um, he, gave me, he gave me the metrics. He had, he had the gall to give me the metrics of other Marines who are doing well. And he was mm-hmm. like, and then there's you. And mind you, this was this was a day before I went to jail, so he was he was laying down the metrics, almost like taunting me. It was it was hilarious. But um, what happened to the others? He left. And, what was that? The other, Can I? The other, yeah, hey, John. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I don't know what the right order is in which to tell the story, but um, it just occurs to me, um, from your perspective, and again, being careful what you can say, how can you be? court-martialed twice, that doesn't, I mean, now I'm not saying that you're going to give a legal brief or explain the government's thinking, but do you have any just general summary of how that's possible? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, who, 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 who asked the question? That's John. John, Johnson, Johnson, you want to introduce yourself? Why don't you give your background Johnson. real quick? Hi, Hi Jonathan. Yeah. Um, so, go ahead. I'm oh, I think I... I think I said, Jonathan, you want to just give your background real quick? And, um, well, yeah, I, I've that. been an attorney since uh, the 1990s and worked with Larry Clayman and um, defended mm-hmm. a lot of Je- January 6th defendants. I'm still working on them, which, you know, again, is, not, uh, is all about, you know, the rights of due process. And, um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's not, not necessarily to defend everything that everybody did, but to make sure that due process, you know, Continues and remains alive in our country, which I think is is uh, is a serious question. So, um, so that's uh, part of my my interest there. Um, so go ahead. I want to take you. up your time. Absolutely. Thank you for your work, Jonathan, and thank you for the uh, for the question. Um, so the first court martial ended up getting rescinded. The charges were withdrawn in September of 2022 because my lawyer at the time made a motion to abate um, the entire thing. It went through. What's, what's the for us non-lawyers? What's a, what's a motion to abate? So abatement means to, I can't give you a dictionary definition, unfortunately, at this time, but. Jonathan, but abatement, let's, 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 let's ask our, means, our expert. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan, abatement means what's, to just what's get rid of. Okay. To, to, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, a bit, sorry, to abate normally means to pause, but it's actually used in this context to mean to vacate. Uh, okay, to, good. Uh, yes. To, 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 to. yes, absolutely. So the motion went through, and the judge essentially saw that my two charges from last year were, in fact, COVID 
sphere, in, in, inside the COVID sphere. Uh, it, was, it was kept pretty general, but the, the judge saw that and my lawyer was able to show the linear connections and he did a great job because, well, it ended up getting abated and the charges yeah. were withdrawn by the people who pressed them to me. So, Do you still have the how... same person? I don't want names, but do you have the same attorney to help with this case? Because it seems like they did a great job the first not. time. Oh, that's too bad. I do not, uh, Greg. No. Oh. Um, huh. But long story short, and fast forward a few months, essentially due to the fact that I I wrote a request mass, which is like formal paperwork from an enlisted to the commanding officer. I wrote them basically kind of Larry Birding them and said, look, these charges are going to be withdrawn eventually, but can y'all just like retain me on legal hold? And, you know, obviously they pressed the charges to me, but they showed their cards and it looked like they were serious about uh, going through with the proceedings. And so whenever they got withdrawn because I was correct and I told them how it would basically go mm-hmm. and they did nothing really to help, they were mad once they got withdrawn. So they, for months, started scrutinizing everything I did, making things harder for me, and basically stacking up charges purposely, uh, vindictively, to corner me and finally just throw me in the brig. Um, it, it took months of painstaking process on their part, but that's how, that's how two court-martials happen. The first one got withdrawn, and this one, they just egregiously, heinously, vindictively piled five charges on me. Can you tell me what those were? Can you tell us? I'm, I'm just curious. Sure, absolutely. So the first one is Article 86. I think that would be unauthorized absence. The second one is Article 87, missing movement. The third one is Article 87, Bravo, um, failure to go to appointed place of duty or something. Oh, no, breach of restriction, breach of restriction. Article 90, insubordination, and Article 91, disrespect. So a bunch, a bunch of frivolous charges that would not even, if all of them were found guilty, you wouldn't even warrant, would, would not even warrant 113 days in jail altogether. They charge you with disrespect? That seems insane. Yes. <laughs> Let me it's, get Josie in the conversation here. We're going to go over these in a little bit, but this is this is fascinating. Josie, um, do you want to talk to uh, Catherine? Yeah. Hi, Josie. Hello. Uh, hey, we're a military family. My husband retired 26 years, uh, mm-hmm. Air Force, and thank God he's out, so he wasn't uh, forced <laughs> to get the shots. Uh, yeah. My uh, son-in-law, he was forced to get both shots. And now they've been telling him he has to get the boosters. Till this day, they're insisting he needs to get the boosters, so he's getting out. Yeah, uh, they're moving back from Michigan. They're moving back from Michigan uh, the middle of this month back home here. Praise God! Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, yeah. I can hardly wait to see all the arrests of all these uh, leaders in the military, and they will be arrested. Trust my words; they will be arrested. And anybody that it was. Uh, this charge force, they are going to be rewarded. Uh, that's what we were told on our last 
uh, event uh, privately. Uh, <clears throat> and I was talking to big people over there. So mm-hmm. uh, in an event that we had in Miami with a lot of doctors, Mike Flynn, uh, Gene Ho, a lot of, uh, Roger Stone was with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, uh, this abuse, uh, this killing of humanity, actually, of these shots, because the, the shots are uh, killer shots. They're not just regular vaccines that they're going to give you autism, schizophrenia, mm-hmm. bipolar. This is deadly. This is totally different. This is a bioweapon that they've been using, and Greg was one of the first ones on Action Radio uh, really reporting uh, about this right at the beginning. We and, start back uh, in 2020. He COVID in 2019. Yeah. Yeah, so, the end of 2019. But, uh, I'm going to ask you something because yeah, we've got a real special guest who just joined us, so I'm going to let you uh, – yeah. uh, but, yeah, we, we, we were the first ones out with this. We t- March 2nd, I broadcast mm-hmm. that the government response is a hoax, mm-hmm. that COVID is curable. We had the report from Didier Raoult in Marseille, France. We were way, way ahead. I think of, of virtually everybody uh, on this. Um, I got a special guest. I got uh, Neil McCabe of One American News uh, is on the line right now, and he wants to uh, talk to you as well. In fact, he's a report on you, and so, but I don't think he ever talked to you. So, so Neil McCabe, meet uh, Catherine Arnett. Catherine, it's uh, it's really a pleasure. Uh, I'm I'm glad that you're still uh, amongst the living and have the freedom to speak. And uh, I hope you're doing well. It's really an honor to meet you. Hi, Neil. Thank you so much, and God bless. An honor to meet you as well, sir. Yeah, I, so uh, I need, go ahead, Neil. It's a very, it's a very difficult, uh, it's a very difficult situation that you're in, and I, I, I don't think that uh, people really appreciate the, the, the extreme pressure that uh, that service members feel to comply normally because you're. You're trained to obey orders. You're programmed to uh, obey orders because that's the only way they fun- – you know, it's, it's the old saying, you know, the soldier who thinks is dead. And so, you know, you fight like you train and, mm-hmm. and then just, uh, just put on top of that the fact that you were, you were overseas, which means mm-hmm. really your only link to normalcy is, uh, mm-hmm. is the Marines because everything around you is another country. So why are you, Catherine? Um, How did you have the gumption to, to, to challenge this? Uh, and, and I'm wondering if, if you being Christian had something to do with it, that you were being picked on. Um, but uh, as opposed to others who, just, who didn't refuse the jab and didn't have the same level of persecution that you have. So, why you, so, so how did you first decide to, uh, to refuse this? And then what happened? I'm curious. I have to give, firstly, my strength and courage and, and gumption, as you said, ultimately to God. And secondly, literally, I, I kid you not, to the Marine Corps. They trained me to, uh, kind, of, kind of a caveat, but before, before September of 2021, uh, whenever all this stuff came out, I had a perfectly clean record. I loved going to work. I loved doing my job, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, all, all that stuff, falling in line and everything. Now, whenever this illegal mandate came out, I had, you know, the training to stand up to what, what, what is right and wrong, basically. Um, the, the Marine Corps instilled that mindset in me to, to have the literal courage in, in their slogan, you know, honor, courage, commitment, 
dare I sound like a, a boot or, you know, just kind of a moto, um, you know, a broken record, but it, it was literally the Marine Corps. And, it, and it's crazy that they, they come after the, the product of, of themselves um, after it all. The, the Marine Corps, I think, is the only one who can instill the mindset in a young man or woman, a woman in my case, to literally want to endure court-martial and even jail to hopefully get back and literally just get back to her job. I don't know if that answered the question. Sometimes I go on tangents. but um, No, please go on tangents. It, it, it was, is, we're pretty free-form here, so whatever you want to say is fine with me. Yeah, yeah it, it, was, it was the Marine Corps. They're, they're the ones who, who gave me strength and courage, and I realized, wow, I'm going to have to – you know, stand up to stand up for what's right in uh, in this. So, or I would I would credit I would credit the Marine Corps for that gumption that they instilled in me. Because if I were probably in the civilian world, I I don't know I I can't say where I would be. I'm sure God would have manifested and shown Himself in other ways in His mysterious ways. But uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely the rigorous training of, of the Marine Corps and. Um, I, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Neil? No, I think that, that that's, uh, I guess that's the definition of irony. But, you know, it's, when you yeah. talk about this illegal vaccine, you know, it's like, it's not so much, uh, you know, Greg and Catherine, when you, when you dig into, you know, the science of the vaccine or what they told us about the vaccine and all of the, the tests that were done and not done and the results that were maybe uh, pencil whipped. You also have to look into how when they came out with the vaccine and the orders, the way they massaged the words and uh, to protect themselves and they hedged and they, 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 they wrote this, but they really meant that. And so, you know, the whole time, you know, the military leadership, civilian and military they knew that this thing was a problem and, mm-hmm. and they protected themselves. And, you know, I, you know, I'm a public affairs sergeant in the, uh, in the Army Reserve. I deployed to Kuwait in uh, 2021. And, you know, I took, I took pictures of people getting the vaccine and I interviewed people getting the vaccine. And, you know, I, I interviewed the, uh, the Central Command microbiologist who told me things that, you know, now I know weren't true but you know it just you just think about the reason it's almost like they 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 knew something was up and you know when i think back and you know they showed all these generals you know uh you know getting the vaccine to uh to tell everybody how safe it was and i took pictures of generals getting the vaccine you know now i wonder if they were just given sugar water you know it's like no that's a huge one Oh yeah, I want to know that too. Yeah. I think all of us yeah. do. I mean, Why you would know, you suspect I, that? I honestly think this. Okay. Well, it, it's funny when you hear about all these people who are vaccinated coming down with COVID, right? And they say, "Oh, this guy was," uh, and they put out a statement that says, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I came down with COVID, but I'm so grateful that I got two shots and six boosters because that made the uh, symptoms much less." And I'm like, wait, where's this, where's this Chinese wall against the vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here's and the thing. Uh, all of these big, powerful people who keep coming down with COVID after being boosted. Um, but 
I think that uh, I think that we're going to find out that people knew a lot more than they did, and I think it's it's obviously it's coming out now, and, and you know, like this, you know. But it, I think that when you look into the people are digging into the science, but I mm-hmm. think it's also important that people dig into like the legalese and the memos and how they how the leadership protected themselves because they knew in their heart of hearts that this thing was a problem. And, and, you know, it's, you know, when I think about what, what Catherine's going through, it's not just Catherine, it's her family, it's her, her comrades, it's, it's everyone associated with her because they, they have to, it's like they, they have to put her on the whipping post as an example to others. And for what? Yeah. For what? You know, it's uh, you know John Kerry, who's not necessarily a hero of mine, but you know he had that great line uh, at the towards the end of the Vietnam War where he testified and he says, you know, how do you ask the young American to be, you know, to be the last man to die for a mistake? And mm-hmm. you know, with COVID, it's like, how do you ask someone to be the, you know, to be the last person to uh, to fall for this vaccine before everybody just says whatever? I'll make two other points because I know this is really Catherine's program uh, and people want to hear from her. Is that, uh, Greg, are you familiar with uh, how many Army National Guardsmen were discharged for not taking the vaccine? No, I'm, I've been looking into the science of it, like you said before. We had, uh, I'll tell you about our world's greatest doctors panel with like Dr. Judy Mikovits and a bunch of others. Zero. So we know that, the, really? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, okay. Jump right in. Tell me again. Why? How many, zero. How, many, how many Air Force National Guardsmen were discharged for not taking the vaccine. Seventy. Okay. So what are the numbers do you have? Because, yeah. because politically now in the Army Reserve and you know obviously in the the you know the reserve and the active duty it was a different story. Huh. But in the National Guard and the Air National Guard, the governors were able to slow roll it. Now they slow rolled it for mm-hmm. different reasons. The first reason was the politics, because they were closer to the people and they were hearing all the hate and discontent. Hmm. Second reason is that states get their allotment for their uh, National Guard budgets on October 1st. And so why would I deliberately make my force smaller when I'm getting all my money in October? So, you know, there's, there's other things going on, but it just tells you the functioning of democracy, right? We don't, we don't like democracy because we're nice people and we want to have a nice system. We have democracy because we think it works the best. It just creates the best results because your government is lined up with your people. And we figure, well, if your government's lined up with your people, that works better than having like a king or a dictatorship. It's not because we're particularly nice and we just want a sweet government. We, don't, we just want a good, we want a good country. And so you can see the effect of democracy on the vaccine mandate because you have guys like in Oklahoma, Governor Stick, who basically gave the order and he said, there will be no separation boards in Oklahoma. And he wow. said, I don't care. Or the governor of Alabama wrote to Biden and she said, why are we doing this when we know this mandate's going to be lifted and all you're going to do is destroy people's livelihood? Um, but there it is. I just want to make, and so you see no, this is fascinating. what's happening to uh, Catherine. It's yeah. like, in what, <laughs> and you see what happened to the National Guard. 
We're supposed to be a country of laws where there's one law for everybody. There's supposed to be one UCMJ for everybody. Apparently, there's not. You know, yeah. if the government were that benevolent, Neil, I wouldn't have had to create Action Radio. <laughs> so that's, that's, uh, this yeah. is why we're here, <laughs> is to, is, is to, well, to write the laws we consent to be government. What's that keep me off the streets? No, you know, I just listen. Keeps hey. you off the streets like midnight basketball. <laughs> wait, wait, wait till I hit the streets of Washington. Um, Catherine, do you have any friends? I mean, is anybody in Congress helping you? Is any government agency? Could you even go to a National Guard and transfer or something like that and, and be a drill instructor there? I mean, who's, who's helping you that you can tell us? Um, I have written some congressional inquiries to Ted Cruz. There's a... December, mm-hmm. January, and April. I I believe some good uh, came of that. Okay. Um. As far as transferring, I really, if if push comes to shove, and you know they they end up escorting me off base and dumping me off the base with a unsigned DD two fourteen and without my cat card. I, I don't have any desire to transfer or go to another branch. It, it was it was the Marines or bust. I, I want to be a I want to be a drill instructor for the Marines. I really do. Um, okay, well, stick with it then. And this is, you know, like I say, we've got another yeah. administration coming up. You know, I have a lot of hope in the Trump yeah. administration. In fact, I hope to uh, pass this on. Now, Neil, you've interviewed a couple <laughs> of my friends, uh, Matt Gates, Congressman mm-hmm. from I'm in Matt Gates district, and David Trombley. You know, you did a whole COVID mm-hmm. special. Um, so should we contact Matt Gates about this? Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm, you don't want to, I know you, as a journalist, you can't do politics, but I'm not a journalist, so I don't care. I, this is, this shows for activists. Uh, we're, we're, we're lobbyists here. We're, we're, you know, firmly in the, in the Patriot camp. Um, but, um, is that something that, can we get I, more coverage to this? I'm a reporter now. One, one day, mm-hmm. one day I hope to be aspire to journalism, but, um, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, what happens with uh, what happens when you're dealing with members of Congress, whether it's congressmen or senators, is mm-hmm. they get really jealous, and mm-hmm. so you have to sort of pick one and mm-hmm. and focus on them. And I mm-hmm. think it's difficult to deal with senators, especially a senator from Texas, which is like the uh, you know the second or third largest state in the country, um, mm-hmm. because it's just it's just a monstrous thing. Is what 20 million people or something in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've written to uh, her, I've emailed her congressman and I'll be following up on that. You know, I just think that, um, I think that, uh, you know, Catherine also, um, is it true that you're getting help from the uh, Pipe Hitter Foundation? Oh. Um, is that something you want to comment on or not? Yeah. I have to decline to comment on that for right now. Okay. Well, I know that there. Are, I, I know people at the Pipe Hitter Foundation are rooting for you, and uh, and 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 I don't know what your relationship is with them. I just know that they're fans of yours. And uh, mm-hmm. what happens is when you get involved with a civilian judge, you tend to see action. And I've seen this with other. Um, one of the stories, uh, you talked about my uh, COVID-19 special I did for One American News. I also did one on the Pentagon's War on Warriors, where we did, looked at the case of uh, Eddie Gallagher and, uh, and Clint Lawrence and, and other people who were sort of being targeted for doing their job. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's a very funny thing that happens where 
you know, they're able to sort of do a shimmy, shimmy shake in the military court system. But when you get in front of a civilian judge, the civilian judges aren't, aren't always willing to play those games. And so I think that there's, there's cause for legal action uh, on the civilian side. You know, but I don't want to practice law without a license. Well, I want to ask Jonathan those questions because he does practice law. So let's see if we can uh, um, bring him back. I'm sorry, Neil. I just want to jump in here for a second. Jonathan? Yeah, please. Yeah, so for Catherine, well, you know, is, is there help for her civilian-wise? Because now just to let folks know, Jonathan, like I said, work with Larry Clayman, who started Judicial Watch. Jonathan's defended January 6th people. And like I say, we even had Stuart Rhodes call us from the Oklahoma federal prison. So Jonathan's no stranger to any of this. Uh, and I think that yeah, uh, and, probably get Jonathan well, and Catherine together. Sir, go ahead. There are good there are good judges and bad judges, and whether whether um, I, I don't know off the top of my head whether the fight to have jurisdiction in the state court, you know, what the status would be of all the details, um, but you know, the, normally there would be a question about whether or not the state court has jurisdiction over something that maybe arises within the military. Um, but there are, you know, there are, and, and so, you know, some, some judges, well, I mean, if a judge gets involved, they're going to be more careful and more um, methodical than say uh, a military judge who's free to do, you know, whatever they want. Um, uh, according to what well, don't they, they have the they same constitution? I mean, is, is it that you know? I'm just wondering about this. Do the military people no, have the same uh, constitutional rights? What, how does that work? Well, yes. I mean, the, the, there are layers here. So, okay. constitutional rights, yes, you know, are, are all through uh, all through our government and our and our country. But but unfortunately, our system does um, have the idea that when one is in is in service or signs up that they have fewer rights um, on the on the idea that they've I guess voluntarily surrendered them. Um, it's somewhat like uh, you know if you go out on the street corner and want to protest, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But if you work in a federal agency and you want to you know give a speech in the middle of the office, it's not the same thing. Yeah. Um, but but it is true that a, a good judge who gets involved is going to be more methodical and careful and precise, hopefully, about all those things. Um, so it's worth, I mean, because here you have an overlap, not just of, well, if they're trying to fake up things that are purely within the military, that's, that's one thing. But, but if, you're going to, if you're going to assert um, fundamental constitutional rights, then it shouldn't matter if it's military or non-military. Um, but you know, the government won't agree. They'll try to fight that. Um, well, <laughs> the government's uh, doing some pretty good I mean, things think, right I now. I think the legal point. Yeah. Neil, go ahead. I, I think, I think, the, I think the legal stuff comes in when you ask, uh, when you can present to the judge and say that, um, you know, that the constitution was not present here. Its spirit was not present here. And, huh. um, and all that, all that needs to be resolved. But I think, um, you know, maybe that's the a thing discussion is, for another day. Retaliation for asserting your constitutional rights is a constitutional issue. If you see what I mean, you know, if, if that's one thing, if they're denying your constitutional rights, 
but there's also a very strong legal concept of retaliation. So it's, it's you know, like everything else in the law, there's nothing simple about it, but, but it's worth yeah. exploring. Yeah. Well, let's get Catherine back in here. Uh, Catherine, is any of this news to you? Um, uh, have you been advised uh, of your constitutional rights as both a civilian and a military person? Where, what, have you, what can you tell us what you've been told about this whole process? I can, I can say yes, I have been advised of my rights. Um, as far as being familiar with the paradox, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm quite familiar with the, with the paradox of it and uh, how maddening it is at times. Um, I think that's all I'm probably at liberty to say right now about my um, what I've been advised, like in the courtroom and everything. So. Okay. Yeah, we keep the caution that, like I said, don't get yourself into trouble here. I don't want to do that, but I want to give you full access to say no, what, whatever I, you want to. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say thank y'all for talking too. Um, I love to hear y'all talk as well. It's it's nice to be back in the company of patriots and then true true supporters to the cause. Um, we are um, glad to have you. <laughs> you're welcome. Freedom, you know, so, you got a standing invitation. Yeah, you can no, always it, call my show. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. It, it does not have to be just me talking all the time, really. And 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 you know, sometimes I, um, you know, trail off and tangent off. So to to hear y'all no. talk about focused and, and poignant facts is, is very nice to hear. So. Oh well, thank you. Right. So. Uh, do you have any insights for people how they can fight back? Because you're not the only one fighting this. I'm sure the other people in the military. I know uh, David Tromley when he was on was telling us stories. We've had mm-hmm. uh, Captain Tom Peters on. We've had uh, various veterans at different times, places, different services, and it's all the same thing. That's you know, and, and I remember this going back to the anthrax uh, vaccine and Gulf War syndrome. Mm-hmm. This is where I first got really interested in this. And thinking these idiots are doing it again. Um, let me ask you a quick question here. Did they ever test anybody mm-hmm. for immunity before giving the shots? Immunity to COVID. In, in my immediate awareness on the base, no, I'm not aware of that. I can't say if people went to request immunity, but it was never a mandated thing. It was never an advertised thing, if that makes sense. No, I mean testing. For, in other words, people who had had COVID already are immune. I had COVID, I'm sure. I mean, I never got officially tested, but I don't trust the test. But uh, as Josie mm-hmm. was saying earlier, end of, Jan, end of December, beginning of January, uh, January 2020, my shows, I sounded horrible. I had the worst mm-hmm. cough I've ever had in my life. You know, and a couple of weeks later, mm-hmm. it was gone. Um, that was my COVID. And I figured, okay, I'm mm-hmm. immune. I don't have to do this anymore. So the military, the youngest, healthiest, strongest people in the country, the most patriotic, the most driven, the most mentally aware of what's going on uh, in, in, in life and everything because of what you do, why were you not tested for COVID immunity before the shot was given? Yeah. And I'll ask uh, Jonathan and Neil the same question. Well, let me get your opinion on that mm-hmm. first. Did anybody mention, yeah. oh, we're going to see, we got the COVID jab for those that want it, uh, unless you're immune, in which case you don't need it. Was that ever even a thought or was it just give the jab? It was, it was not, it was not a thought. It was just get the jab. It's coming. And this is a lawful order. And everyone pile into the gym. There was a, event called a shot X, I suppose, like a shot exposition or something. It was basically like, all right, get the shot or go to the legal table all the way in the back of the gym. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was all, all, of, all of the deliberate craftiness of subterfuges. Now I have to preface it's wicked brilliance, but yeah. everyone, I would say the, the, you know, the top leaders, you know, they know what's going on. They know mm-hmm. how to, you know, uh, confound, or if that's not the right word, hoodwink your, you know, probably younger 
military members and shit the whole force, you know, almost the whole force at this point. So hoodwink the whole force to get the get the dang thing. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was can it I, was really interesting. Jesse, can I say? Uh, sure. Can I say my uh, son-in-law? Uh, the military told him uh, if you take just one shot, you you don't yep. have to wear that mask anymore because he really hated to be wearing that mask mm-hmm. while they were flying. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. He's a Coast Guard rescue, and he okay. was so happy. He says, "Oh God, thank God, I don't have to wear that mask anymore." And guess what? They forced him to take the second shot, and mm-hmm. that's why, like I said earlier. Uh, he will not take any boosters, and that's why he's leaving the military. And it's wow. sad how this corrupt corporation that we live under, government, uh, communists, uh, they are forcing our young kids. And some of the young kids I talked to them all, I was trying to reach them not to take the vaccine, and they said, we don't have any choice. They own us. I just, my tears just came out of my eyes. Like, they mm-hmm. own us like a pet. You know, it's sad, but uh, they're going to pay. They're all going to pay, and I can hardly wait to see that day. Yeah. Jesse's from Nicaragua and grew up under some pretty horrendous circumstances for uh, communism, communism, yeah, for many folks to the show. Um, Jonathan, um, where do we go from here? Can you help Catherine? Is there uh, you guys can talk off the show, of course, but, uh, you know, can we bring some of the, the same folks that are working with J6 to help her? What do you think? Well, I mean, the thing with the J6 legal teams is they're completely overwhelmed. Um, okay. Yeah, that's not surprised. I do have a suggestion. We could talk off, off um, you know, off uh, line or something. But, um, sure. I mean, it sounds like she's well on her way. Obviously, I think people need to uh, perhaps support her legal defense fund. Um, cause I know Is there a site for that, Catherine? Let's just get that out right now. We'll give it at the end of uh, our chat too. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm I'm gonna have to decline on okay. uh, commenting on on that. Right. But yeah, we can definitely talk about it off there, sir. Greg. Okay. Yeah, I'm Greg. <laughs> Uh, Neil and Jonathan are still sir and, and Josie's ma'am, <laughs> but I'm just Greg. <laughs> so I'm trying to get pretty casual here. Um, where, where do you stand now, Catherine? What's go, so what are you facing next that you can talk about? And, and um, what's, what's the, what are you being told? You know, like I say, again, be careful, but I'm just curious as to what the procedure is. And, and when do you think it's going to be over? What's, what, where are we trying for here? Hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty hesitant on commenting about what's next in this whole court martial process. Um, okay. I have a hearing Let's on June fifth. Yeah, the only thing I can say, I have a hearing on June fifth. Um, trial dates are tentatively at the end of summer, early fall. But I, I, I would, I, I'm hesitant on saying anything more about the judicial process. I'm, I'm absolutely free to comment on. Anything else? Um, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, just, well, let me yeah. ask you something different. Uh, you mentioned RFK, uh, Robert Francis Kennedy Jr., yeah. who's running for president. And the reason that this is really significant is because one of our regular folks and a friend of mine, Dr. Judy Mikovits, probably the world's greatest molecular biologist right now, who was arrested by Dr. Fascist, um, as I call him. Uh, oh, we got to get Catherine back. Her, her line dropped. We've got to text her to come back. Anyway, um, now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Lose my star guest. I'm like, what happened here? Anyway, so hopefully she'll... She'll come right back. But um, 
you know, Dr. Mikovits is connected to uh, Robert Francis Kennedy because, you know, she, she is again. Well, I'll just start over. Hi, sorry. Yeah. Was that the, the FBI? Drop. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, it's just called. Oh, yeah. absolutely. 100%. Our agent so, or at, at this point, I'm sure I have multiple agents, but you know, whatever. Hi. <laughs> I'm sure they listen to us too. Well, like I say, I'll give my standard invitation for the FBI KGB to, you know, call in and uh, you want to talk to us, be like normal people, 215-383-3832. Um, but we, we get weird things <laughs> happening on the show every once in a while. I do. It's like, you know, I, you know, I, you can't be afraid of these people. And if I get arrested, I get arrested. No. You know, if they come busting my doors down, they come mm-hmm. busting my doors down. You know, God help them, because I'm going to be sarcastic mm-hmm. as hell. And, you know, it's just, and I'm oh, taking an example oh, from you. If you can fight them, I can fight them. You know, if anybody can fight them, you, there... you, you just go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, but I was curious about uh, RFK, because, again, Judy Mikovits, uh, who tells us more about COVID than we could possibly want to know. It's like a biochemistry <laughs> lesson when she, when she gets on the show. But RFK wrote the foreword to her book, and he has our vaccine product liability bill. And so I'm just mm-hmm. hoping he'll endorse it. Um, but there's a ton of work being done with that. Uh, any insights on RFK? And is he helping you out at all? Or is that is this, what's the connection that you can tell us? So last year, yes, he's absolutely helping. Last year I did an interview with Children's Health Defense and Stephanie Locriccio. And okay. she got me, or she or one of her team members of Children's Health Defense, which is affiliated with uh, RFK, got me in touch with RFK to do an interview with him. And it was wonderful seeing him um, over the computer and having an interview with him. And then today, actually, I will be uh, seeing him as well. He's here in the San Diego area, and he heard I was in the San Diego area. So I'll be Breaking news. today. Hey, isn't one American news in the San Diego area, Neil? Yes, they are. Oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> I heard they are. <laughs> Didn't sound like Neil. <laughs> can can drop-ins <laughs> go there, Neil? What, what's the story? Can we get Catherine over to uh, one American news maybe? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I also want to say that was easy. Um, you know, I spent eight years on uh, active duty in the Coast Guard, and huh. all Coast Guardsmen are raised and trained with a reverence for Marines, especially um, because the only Guardsmen, National Guard, the only Coast Guardsmen to get the Medal of Honor was Douglas Monroe, who was awarded that uh, posthumously after he saved 500 Marines on Guadalcanal. And whenever, um, whenever a Marine would mention Douglas Monroe to you, you would just, you, you know, when you're in the Coast Guard, you just sort of start beaming um, because of this connection. And it's this weird thing, you know, whereas Marines and the Coast Guard, you know, they both have this awkward relationship with the Navy. And uh, <laughs> you're there, but you're kind of not there. Um, and I also want to tell Catherine that um, I may want to contact you um, offline um, just to help me out with DTS because What's that? DTS you got it. Is, uh, you got it, sir. Say less. You have, y'all have no idea how much of a joy it would be just to do DTS. Oh, goodness, yes. Okay, help us out. What are DTS you talking about? Is the online, that is the online travel claim system that um, – mm-hmm. Some madman clown, maybe the same lab in Wuhan uh, that led to all this problem that designed a system called DTS. Okay, what is it? Where, where, where's the punchline? It's basically your it's, – it's the military system for doing your travel voucher whenever you travel outside oh. of your base for business. 
for business okay. travel. And that's, that's what I did. I just have to put in a plug. That's what I did for two and a half years, and that's the job that I love, and that's the job that I want to get back to. And I know it's an uphill battle, but I can't tell you how much I loved servicing my Marines and helping them out, and that's why I fight so hard. So. People must have come to you in tears, Catherine. Almost, almost, borderline, borderline, borderline. The Marines don't cry, right? <laughs> what? No, of course not. Well, yes, yeah, um, yeah. They, I was, I was, I was the most. I, I was, I was definitely sought out uh, the most. I was, I was pe- traveling to pick up people from their port sites in Japan. I was, I was volunteering my time. I was staying up till 3 a.m. You know, helping, helping Marines get back for bereavement. It, it, it was a blast. I, I love. I can't express how much I loved what I did, and I still do. Yeah. Also, Catherine. Well, you know, I don't have time. Uh, I have left. Oh, I got, I got another hour but, uh, after this. You guys are welcome to stay the the, the following hour if you want. I got plenty me, of time. So yeah, go ahead. Take all the time you want, Neil. Catherine. Yes. Given uh, that this is you know this is the Memorial Day and the Memorial Day weekend, could you just talk about what it was like? To be to be around, you know, Okinawa, the yeah. places where so many Marines gave their lives, you know, for the flag that flies over all of us. Irony is someone I think I think one of y'all said it earlier. Irony, um, but with that, surrounded by that legacy that I had talked about at the beginning, just the legacy of the Marine Corps, knowing that, you know, sometimes uh, things happen within the bureaucracy, but that legacy still stays strong and mysterious and alluring as ever. And especially, and and that was in Okinawa, right, when I was in the brig. Um, I never lost hope. But, yeah, especially this Memorial Day weekend, um, Dare, dare I dare I bring this up? I went oh, to this is the show. Oh, of course you bring it up, Catherine. No, 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 no. no. This but, is us. No, hear hear oh, me I'm out. Sorry, go ahead. Y- hear right, me I'm out. Sorry. You, yep. you, me, our our circle here, and and our listeners understand it. But it's still probably a taboo topic just to talk about to like you know your normal, well, I'm, I'm normal. Um, you know, an, an an average military supporter who may or may not have, um, you know, knowledge of, of the bureaucracy, right? So hear me out. Mm-hmm. At Chick-fil-A, sure. there was a Memorial Day table commemorating the prisoners of war and the missing in action. And there was also a Salute Our Heroes thing at mm-hmm. the Mission, Mission San Juan Capistrano um, that I visited yesterday. And it, it's so nice to see that people are still putting out the the flags and, and honoring those. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think I don't think I'm censored to say that you know the bureaucracy held me as a I'll say political prisoner. I'll say political prisoner. I, I just I don't want to say prisoner of war. I don't, I feel like that's they held me as a as a prison uh, political prisoner for for four months because I you know I stood up about the vaccine, and so it was it was hard. Like one of the guys who saw me looking at the POW table, he was like, "Man, a really dark shadow crossed your face whenever you saw that." And of course, Marines don't cry, but maybe there were there was some moisture in my eyes. Um, 
I guess ironies is that is that a proper word to 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 character categorize it as it was it was irony. I see irony all over this. I think it's a perfect word for it. Yeah, um, yeah, the, has, the irony is all over. It. it was it was refreshing to see people um, celebrating it and supporting um, you know the Memorial Day weekend. If that if that answers the question, Greg. Yeah. No, I it does, and and it, like I say, you can answer any way you want. There's there's no there's no set course of action here as far as it goes. In fact, uh, a lot of folks might wonder what we're doing, why we're doing this on Memorial Day. You know, we're supposed to honor the fallen mm-hmm. and I honor those who fought. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if people realize how much you're fighting and what you're doing. You're fighting well beyond yourself. Yes, you have a, a legal battle and yes, you have a, a huge dispute with the Marines. And yes, you absolutely deserve your job back because you didn't do anything wrong. Uh, you fought, you actually, here's the, here's the ultimate irony is you actually followed orders because the, the military cannot order you to, you to take an experimental drug. And that's basically what the jab is. It's never been approved officially. Nobody knows what's in it. Uh, I don't even know if Pfizer, you know, concocts all this kind of stuff. But, but the idea that you uh, basically follow the order which says you cannot take an experimental drug and yet you're being persecuted mm-hmm. and prosecuted for that, that's irony. So, so the irony that they never uh, tested people for immunity, you know, the healthiest people in the country, uh, that's irony. Yep. Uh, the yeah. irony that uh, you're, you're fighting for freedom in ways that, uh, you know, it's not just the fallen. And God bless them for giving yeah. their lives for our country. Uh, Jonathan, go ahead. Greg, I, I, would, I would think from my, my background, you know, don't talk about what you've done or you think or what you've done or not because, you know, that would, you know, might, might not be good. Uh, but um, I was going to ask along the same lines, could you educate the audience about the in general what the military has taught, I guess, until recently about obeying lawful orders and what orders not to obey. You know, we go, I remember back to the My Life massacre and the idea that there, you know, that we, that the idea that military always obey orders is just wrong. And there used to be a great concern that that military realized that they're, they're not supposed to obey just every order. Um, do, do you, you know, can, can you help out the listeners in terms of what standard teaching is? Is, is that a question about from, yourself? That, that's, that's Jonathan. That's Jonathan, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Without talking about yourself. Is that a question for me, sir, or is that a question for Greg? I'm yes. sorry. No, that, that's for you, but, but don't talk about yourself. Talk about, you know, the okay. standard military doctrine. Sure. Um, from what I can remember... <laughs> Oh, that's right. You said, well, in general, I can't recall any stand down or training where it says this is how you discern. This is how you discern between a lawful or an unlawful order. Um, everything is just kind of assumed as lawful and you do it. Um, that is the way the military runs, uh, to be fair, in the most part. But I think that this whole COVID thing has brought to light some spiritual aspects and spiritual components as well that there is there, there, there should be um, scrutinization of uh, certain, certain things that either the military or any entity um, brings to the table and says, this, this will be followed. So yeah, as far as as far as deliberate training or explicit guidelines to to discern, you know, between an unlawful and a lawful order, 
I was never exposed to that, but I believe yeah, I was able to. Yeah. In the uproar after the Vietnam War, it would have been a time when everybody would have been taught that. And I, and mm. I do feel we've moved away from it. Um, that, you know, whereas there was great paranoia about some of the things that happened in Vietnam and at other times, now it's like, mm-hmm. you know, just kneel before Zod. Um, you know, you are, we're, we're becoming too authoritarian, in my opinion. Yeah. Let me just jump in here for a second. Neil, I think, has to leave pretty soon. So, Neil, did you want to get in the last comment or anything else? Hey, Jonathan, first of all, I want to say uh, great uh, Superman 2 reference. That was very strong. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. That was a a fantastic film, by the way, with Marlon Brando. The... um, I just, I just want to, uh, I, Greg. I, I want to thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to be on, and and and, and Catherine. I, uh, I just want you to know that, uh, you know, you know, we've I've covered this at One American News. I'll continue to cover your case and other cases, and uh, it's something that's um, very personal to me. And I think that, you know, you mentioned, you know, reaching out to uh, Congress for your or, you know, Senator Cruz for your own personal case. But, you know, uh, Senator Toberville is putting a hold on a lot of um, promotions uh, dealing with the Pentagon's abortion policy. There's also what senators can do in general just to get answers on COVID-19 and the vaccine and the mandate is that there's there's roughly 50,000 military officers who are confirmed by the Senate every year, just like a judge or a member of the cabinet, all military officers have to be confirmed by the Senate. And these 50,000 officers are done in batches, but it's all done by unanimous consent and nobody questions anything. Just to force a roll call vote on some of these colonels and generals and admirals, that would have a tremendous impact uh, in getting people's attention and so I just want to reach out to, you know, everybody listening, you know, that this is something that, uh, that, that the Senate senators can do in general, not just the specific case. And, and for, uh, and to Catherine, I just want to just say how, um, how amazed and thrilled that I am, am to, uh, to, to meet you and, and to, to know that there are Marines like you in the inventory uh, gives me some hope for this country. And, uh, and thank you, Greg, and uh, for giving me this opportunity to sort of check in. Oh, my pleasure. Listen, call anytime. You don't need an invitation. You know, I have your number, so just feel free. Uh, anything of interest. Uh, this is we are a very open forum where where anybody can talk to anybody. That's the whole point of it. Fantastic. So, thank you, guys. Yeah. Any one American news uh, areas you, or, or places or, or contact or anything like that? Well, I think um, many times people are asking me where to find one American news. Uh, I tell them go to the uh, OANN.com where they can download the OAN Live app. And most of us watch stuff on our phones anyway, and so it's, uh, it's really not that big a transition to tell people to watch TV or, or news on their app like it might have been, say, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And so there's a free seven-day trial. If you love it and you get addicted like I do, then uh, they're fantastic. 
if you don't love it, well, after seven days, you move on. But I think, uh, I think people really appreciate the unbiased, honest reporting at One American News. Yeah, I do. That's why I watch it. <laughs> it's pretty simple. We just got to get you covering some of our, our citizen legislation. That's the next thing. We have a, uh, a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money that I hope you guys take a look at and study and maybe report on. That would be that's my shameless plug. So I tend to do that a lot as well. Uh, All right. and, uh, we, we, we can work on that, sir. OK, sounds good. Well, it's really glad to meet you. I'm really glad to talk to you here on the show. This is fabulous. So thank you for everything you do. And keep doing what you do. You're kind of like the last, you know, uh, media that actually reports, you know, things that isn't the left-wing propaganda. Even Newsmax has lost their way. Uh, so they're all falling under the deep state. It's really sad what's going on. Yeah. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. You take, take care. care. Neil McCabe, One American News. Okay, so it's just us. We've got Josie, we've got Jonathan, we've got Catherine. And again, we can stick around. I mean, uh, Dorothy was on the line for a bit, but I, I, yeah, we're, I'm going to pick her up next week. Um, this is not the right day for her report. And she had someone else that might be calling in too. So well, I'll talk to her about that. We'll get that all squared away. Catherine, um, what haven't we covered yet? And yeah. like I say, if you, if you can stick around, you're welcome. We've got a whole other hour. So we're going to get a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I can. Yeah. Okay. I'd love to. I'd love to be. Okay. Um, so what should we talk someone about? Had, someone asked me about like what can, what what can be done. I, I think someone had prefaced that before um, mm-hmm. the Memorial Day question. Mm-hmm. Um, but my answer is it is it's not too late to say it is it is not because there'll be more boosters. There will be more questionable experimental medicine, um, you know, practices coming in. And this this lovely girl at the library um, turned to me. I, I didn't know who she was, but she said, are, are you Arnett? And, of course, my face got red, and I'm like, hi, yes, um, nice to meet you, immediately um, uh, connected. And she's like, you know, thank you for what you did. Like, I ended up getting the vaccine, but... I should have said no. And I, and I looked at her right in the eyes and I'm like, it's not too late. There's going to be more boosters. We, we need more people to, to say no and, 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 to, and to do, to, to take the brave stand. Um, imagine, imagine if just like, hell, 2%, 5%, 10% said no. That would, that would be a big loss to the, to the recruitment bottom line. And I'd be like, oh, wow, you know, maybe we should just, maybe we should back off. Maybe we should back off of this mom. It's not too late to say no. Just, you know, be mentally prepared and spiritually prepared for, for the consequences. But that's my biggest thing. All the people who said, oh, man, I wish I didn't get it. Okay. That, you know what? That's okay. That, that's okay. There's going to be more opportunities to take a stand. Um, that's, really, that's really my plug because I had, I, I, had, I had asked a few of my unvaccinated friends to, to go down this road with me. I was like, hey, man, they don't, they're not going to want two court martials. They're not going to want three or four court martials in the same base for the same mm-hmm. reason. And, and they were the single Marines. I, I asked the single Marines. Um, I can't imagine what it would be like right now to have a family in the COVID sphere. But um, God bless the, the families who have stayed strong through this. Um, so I asked the single Marines, and they all said no. They took their benefits and they got out. But props to them. Props to them for not for that for not caving into the into the mandate. But that long story short, it's it's not too late to say no. Yeah, never too late. Um, we have some interesting news from, uh, like I said, Dr. Judy Mikovits, Brian Artis, and some other people because they got incredibly well connected to some of the top COVID 
uh, oh. crusading doctors in the country. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you said you said the last name Mikovits. You said Brian. Uh-huh. Is that is that Judy's husband? No, Brian Artis is another doctor. Ben Marble and our oh, local I folks. Heard, uh, I'm Deb so Viglione. sorry. I, I thought okay. I heard. I thought I heard you say Brian Mikovits. Okay, so Judy Mikovits and then Brian Artis. Okay. Yeah, I don't know who Brian Mikovits is. Is there a Brian Mikovits? Okay. No, you no, I'm sorry. I, I confused the last names. I, I confused okay. the last names. Yeah. But, but the point of this is that, and this is something we've got to get you guys connected, and RFK knows about this stuff too because he knows Judy. Uh, there are treatments for, for, for vaccine yeah. recovery. There are things like cardio miracle and other things mm-hmm. that you can take that can strengthen your immune system, you know, work to dissolve the blood clots, do some other things that is, just because mm-hmm. you've had the jab, it's not over. Okay. There are methods of recovery. So I got to, I got to get you and Judy together so she can help you out uh, and advise, you know, that your fellow Marines. Be, oh goodness. Uh, Greg, you have no idea how much of an honor that would be because whenever I started okay. seeing Judy Mikovic's videos, one of, one of my master sergeants, actually, he was very influential about uh-huh. showing me um, all this COVID stuff. And whenever I heard about Judy Mikovic's story, especially with her gag order, especially with her imprisonment, I was like, wow, you know, this, you never this thought is of that. what's going to happen. You yeah. guys like soulmates. You know, she's, she's in the medical field. It, you in the, it uh, empowered the me. It, yeah. it empowered oh. me to know what was okay. coming up and to and to steady myself for it. So she has been very influential um, in my in my journey in preparing me for what was coming. Oh man, I could oh I I could go on I'll forever. I'll get you both on. Uh, I'll, I'll get you both on the air. That's what we do here at Action Radio, very spontaneously. So uh, now, now I have a new crusade. It's, I tell you, the, the, the people that has been my privilege to meet doing this show, like you and Judy and Jonathan and Josie, a lot of Jays. Um, it's just it's fascinating uh, how this all works. And now Neil McCabe, who I got to know, uh, David Tromley, uh, got us connected. And so now we, now we can yeah. work with One American News. And if they start reporting our citizen legislation, mm-hmm. the world's going to change. The world's going to change. We are right now, all of us here are kind of at the center of an amazing change. I want to bring on Dorothy Diana. Normally at this time we have, we have our sex and sensuality report and we get some really interesting discussions. It's fascinating. This is Oh yeah, Dorothy Diana. I'm 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 familiar with her. Oh, well, okay, well then you two should talk. Dorothy, welcome to the show. Hi, can you hear me okay? I am driving. Yeah, I hear you fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay no, that's I'm good. so, so excited. I, I love this for topic. It. This is such a great topic and um, so early on, you know, during the pandemic, you know, the long, my, my history was uh, medical industry corruption and conflict of interest, my area of study mm. prior to getting my postmasters in human sexuality. This was my forte because nobody got better from prescriptions, right? So I was writing prescriptions in the early 2000s, and um, I used to write for Vioxx, which kills 27,000 people. So it was a long journey for me by the time the pandemic was declared to realize the extent of the medical industry corruption and what they're willing to do for money. So, you know, I got, I got really riled up in um, the first six months and I was just clinging tenaciously to anyone who was speaking out saying, wait a minute, this is a fishy story. What's happening here. And a lot of my friends who were heavy researchers said they're trying to get the adult mandatory vaccination, which they've been trying to do for years. And this is going to be the gateway to that. And I believed that because these are friends who other things they said had come true, which I won't get into. But um, but the people who ahead. stood up were so brave. Uh, well, um, you know, and, and recently Rashid Batar died in our area. So I don't know. I'm sure you know who he is. Mm. He was um, yeah. 
Yes, outspoken in early 2020 um, that this pandemic is not what they're saying it is. Take your preventatives. Here's your your regimens you can do to prevent getting hospitalized. We've had a 100% success rate. Um, no hospitalizations for those who follow these certain um, protocols that are easy. And he was completely smeared and silenced. Uh, they tried to cancel the advanced medicine conference here in Charlotte, my neighborhood, which is very liberal, which I used to be very liberal. I mean, I kind of still am. Was up in arms about him. What a, what a We're glad crap. to have you, what there, a Dorothy. We're glad to be on our dangerous side. So okay. guy. <laughs> and so, um, so he just died. I don't know if you know. He died a few days ago, oh. and um, he was very healthy and suddenly died. And he said, "If I die suddenly, it's not a suicide." They've been after me a long mm-hmm. time. The FDA and FBI already shut down his medical office twice for, um, for mm-hmm. the practices he does, curing cancer, curing people with Guillain-Barre. They got it from the flu shot. And he's right here in my neighborhood, and he, he just died very mysteriously. How old and, was he? Um, the people who were speaking out. Do you know how old he was? Oh, healthy, healthy as heck in his 50s. Beautiful okay. um, girlfriend, beautiful life, beautiful practice, uh, no prior health conditions. Um, he alluded in a few months prior that he's beginning to have these strange symptoms. And um, he, anyway, I won't get into it, but okay. it, it sounds awfully suspicious. I hate, I mean, I hate to think that way, but it doesn't sound like. How can you not think is, that way? Um, With everything that's happening these days, how can you not think that way? You know, how many people have died around the, the Clintons mysteriously right before they're supposed to testify? The guy that got the barbell on his neck and, you know, Seth Ridge, four shots in the back, and they call it a, a robbery. I mean, come on. We have a whole have action radio. Signs, the yeah. the red one? handkerchief and the, and the hanging from the door. There's all the, there's the signs, and I, I don't want to be, like, sound strange, but there's certain, when it's a killing like that, they do it a certain way. And so a lot of the people have been found dead a very strange certain way. So mm-hmm. I don't know. So if anything happens to me, you all um, have to carry on action proud. radio, okay? We're we're just getting started action radio. Oh so whatever God. happens, you know, I'm serious. I, I, in fact, in fact, Judy McLeod is a friend of mine for Canada Free Press. She gives this warning all the time. She says, you know, journalists who are controversial or reporters or media people should routinely say, "I'm feeling great. If anything happens to me, it's not a suicide. I'm doing fabulously That's well." Right. So let me just let me just say that once mm-hmm. again, which you do about every two or three months, I'm feeling great. <laughs> you know, I've got no problems. Life is wonderful. So uh, yeah, so if anything happens, it wasn't me. Catherine, back to you. Why don't you, Catherine, you want to talk to Dorothy directly? Feel free. I'll just, I'll just listen to you, too. It would be great. Um, hi, Dorothy. Yeah, pleasure to finally talk to you over a, over a call. Um, yeah, I just heard about Ms., Mr. Batar, Dr. Batar. Is that his last name? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just heard about him. God rest his soul. Um, my friend, one, one of my friends told me about him, and I'm like, oh, who is this gentleman? I looked him up, and I was immediately, immediately after Googling him, I'm like, oh, that was foul play. <laughs> of course. You know? Yeah, I agree 100%. Like, it, it, yeah, it's, uh, and, and that's what I've been saying, too. Whenever I was internationally transferred from brig to brig, I was like, I pose no threat. I feel fine. Well, I didn't say that exactly, but I'm like, I pose no threat. I've been cleared as competent. You know, if anything happens to me, it's foul play. Yeah, absolutely. And, oh, man, uh, yeah. So how do you, I mean, first of all, kudos to you. The people who stood up and spoke out, I'm, they're, my, they're my people for life. Like this pandemic was a bifurcation of humanity. So you mm-hmm. spiritually you went one direction or the other. You either saw it, spoke out, or saw it and quietly supported those who did, or you just went with the sheep in the other direction. I mean, 
and I know a lot of people had a hard decision to make. Um, so I, I have sympathy. My brother was actually one of those he's going to call in today. He's a veteran, Navy veteran. But um, it was a very hard decision because they threatened the livelihood. They threatened, the, you know, uh, your community reputation, everything. And so if you stood up against this, I mean, to me, you're like some sort of ascended spiritual person that came down to this earth mm. to fight this battle, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, it, it goes beyond the physical mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you. It's, it's just you two now, Jonathan. Thank you for the support, all by the to... grace of God. Go ahead, Catherine. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I was just saying thank you. Thank you to Dorothy and all by the grace of God. That's, that's really who all I can credit, but it's absolutely a spiritual warfare. Absolutely, Dorothy. I agree with you on that. Is this true? I don't know when I decided yeah. that, but that was very helpful to me, to my heart, because I was so confused. I was so, my jaw was dropped for several months. And when I realized, and I had to transform my understanding that this is not, um, a battle in the physical world. It is, but it goes much beyond that. And when you say by the grace of God, that's exactly how I feel. I'm so grateful. I feel like since the pandemic, faster than lightning, like people are shown to me and brought to my world. Like the introductions I get, the people that are around me to support me, it's like because I took those brave steps that were really scary and just kind of got loud and lost a lot of friends and you know, talked wherever I went with the masks and the just being loud, getting kicked out of places. I feel like I was rewarded by it. Suddenly yes. this new world opened up of like truth and beauty and light and freedom. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Did you feel that way? Yes. <laughs> yes, I most certainly do. Certainly do. We lose. We made some, experience some difficult losses, but oh, I agree. The world that has opened up to us is, is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, Dorothy, I'm really glad you called um, because I, I was wondering how we we're going to figure this out today. But, uh, you know, there's, there's an entire new dimension to this that you've brought to the conversation, and I, I absolutely appreciate it. Um, again, Catherine, you get a chance to listen to some of our previous chats. It's been quite amazing. Dorothy's really insightful in just so many areas. And in terms of spirituality, you look at – look who we've talked to today. We had Jonathan, you know, an attorney crusader. We had Josie, grew up under communism. Uh, we had Neil McCabe, first time on the show from One American News. We've got you. You know, and who knows how many times you get to chat when they're when they're not, you know, cutting you off from the rest of the world, uh, and and uh, and Dorothy here, and so we're all here, you know, we're all here on Action Radio live when everybody else is playing repeats, you know, and we're still this is, this is Memorial Day, and we're 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 fighting for freedom in many different ways, but the whole spiritual, uh, this is a, you know, I've always like I say I don't credit myself for my ideas, I get I get tons of ideas all the time. You know? And I don't think any one person would have all the ideas that I have unless God put them there. So I absolutely give credit uh, to God for what's happening here. It's, it's really quite fascinating, but look at the, you know, and, and where we can go from this, you know? So uh, I don't know, I guess I want I put it back to, to, to you and, and, and Dorothy just to, just to say that there is this fight, the energy that comes, you know, it, we've already won and there's no fear. We've already won. Because we've already won. Yeah, the lie ahead. is fear. The lie is fear, and the ammunition they used, the weapon they used, was the biggest one in the dark entities on this earth, which is fear. And I, I mean, that has been exposed to me so much. Like now, anytime there's something I'm afraid of, I'm supposed to walk in that direction. <laughs> and yeah. that's what I've learned. Oh, I love that. It's very exciting. And I tell my kids, I have three boys, and I say, Hey, if you can, Aww. if you can conquer the fear of death, 
you've won. If you can conquer the fear of death, you've won. So just don't be afraid and you've won life, you know? So that's what God gives you. And it's not, yeah. we, we talk about that a lot on the show. And the, the one common factor is that everybody who believes in freedom believes in God. I have yet to see someone that absolutely believes in freedom and doesn't believe in God or the other way around. You know, because they're, they're inextricably linked. And once you free yourself from a fear of death, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And it's like, you know, you, this, okay, so I'm here. I've got a meaning. I've got a purpose. I have work to do. You know, Dorothy, you have work to do. Catherine, you have work to do. And I have work to do. I got blessed with this crazy idea of putting a radio show with a citizen legislature. And look where we are. I got a major mm-hmm. reporter for, a, you know, one of the biggest news stations out there saying, oh, I'll take a look at that. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> this is a holiday. This is what we do in a week, on the weekday. But, but uh, do you see that, Catherine, the same well, thing? Well, truth but, wins. Yeah. Truth always wins. Sooner or later, truth always yeah. wins. And these forces mm-hmm. that have enacted these, these dark things that are happening – they don't have foresight. So this is what I've learned from my spiritual friends. And um, they actually don't have so the divine consciousness, you know, channeling God or talking to God gives you this sort of wisdom, right? And we've all felt it, the sort of tingling knowledge that's like intuition. And I talk about the five feminine geniuses, and that's one of them. But I mean, energy-wise, not just women. But this beautiful divine wisdom, which resonates as truth in our heart, and when you're not following God or whatever you want to call God, you don't have that. You're cut off from that. So these dark entities or humans or whatever they are that enact these things, these horrible policies and um, trying to move us more towards slavery, they don't have foresight. So what they don't see is that um, the human spirit, the God human spirit alchemizes, everything alchemizes to good. So as soon as it looks dark, all of a sudden something beautiful unfolds from that, right? Truth always wins. And so the more we tell the truth and move away from fear, amazing things happen. And that, I feel like that's what we're seeing since the pandemic. Did you all see that also at all? Catherine? Yes. Um, every, everything, truth, truth materializing, absolutely. My favorite thing that's kept me going through all this, through all of the foreshadowing and that I've done to my commanders about like, hey, please have patience, you know, please retain me. This is going to happen. That is going to happen. You know, please, please help me. Please don't put me through this. Um, behold, I have conquered the world. Um, Jesus Christ uh, said that. And that, 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 that has kept me going, uh, knowing that um, as a Catholic, knowing that he um, paved the way first, right, to be persecuted and, and killed and then conquer everything by his um his mission of truth um that mm-hmm. that has definitely kept me going through all this um so yeah despite all the hell and heartache that happens uh, behold i have conquered the world um that I, I can't express how how in love with that i am and how much that's kept me going and basically kept me on this uh path of truth seeking and truth sharing yes you're on a divine mission and you fulfilled it and I think the rewards are going to be endless for you, and it's very exciting. <laughs> that is wonderful. Love listening to you talk. Yeah. I got a question, though. Well, I got my, a question for Darth. My brother's going to call in, too, Greg. Yeah, but I just well, wanted to give you a heads up. My brother yeah. was, yeah, he's kind of waiting for his time. I said, anytime, anytime. Now. We just flow now's in our conversation. He, he is now's a veteran, and he has a poem, and I bet he's feeling very inspired right now. But go ahead and ask your question, Greg. Yeah, as soon as he calls in, it would be great. Well, I, I'm just curious because I have both of you. In fact, I think he's there right now. Um, do you do do look at the here for a bit? Do women fight battles differently? Uh, spiritual battles, legal battles, 
Is there, you know, because I'm curious what both of you think about that. But let me start with Dorothy. Well, women, uh, women, when we say women, we have to, I mean, I like to say energy because women hold, the average woman holds both energies, right, from the spectrum, the masculine mm-hmm. to the feminine, right? So some women reside more in their feminine energy and they're more comfortable there. Some women, because of their job or because of just their natural tendency, reside a little more in their masculine energy, but a healthy person has access to both. So when you say women... Um, do you mean people who hold I, – and I, I'm not trying to be all woke, but this is how I've always seen it um, – people who reside mostly in their feminine energy, so typically women? I'm, yeah, okay, I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine, you, Catherine what do you think? Um, yes, I, I believe there's a difference in how um, men and women fight. Um, so – Something I was musing on the other day is all of the all of the famous court marshals throughout history, especially those of let's say Billy Mitchell, um, who was the Korean um, Bobby. Help me out! Help me out! I'm thinking. Uh, I mean, the fact you brought Bobby. up court marshals in history, this is fascinating because Billy is, Mitchell is is, is, uh, is is a great study. Um, Bobby Garwood, Bobby Garwood, Bobby Garwood. I'm not familiar. And pe- people like uh, he was a POW in Korea. It was oh goodness, it was either Korea or Vietnam. He was there for 16 years, and then he was court-martialed by the government for aiding and abetting the enemy or something, something absolutely wild. Um, huh. it, I, I was exposed to a story through reading the book Perfidy by John mm-hmm. Holland and Father Patrick Bacio, um at, here in the Miramar Brig um, a few weeks ago. But uh, no, I just, I just, I just wanted to. I was musing the other day about how <laughs> men and women go about handling this differently because um, I know it's probably an unpopular thing for me to say. But at the end of it all, you know, after our first hour that I've talked, all I want back is my job. All I want back is my, um, you know, Marines. All I want back is, you know, the community that I rightfully belong to and, you know, the the, the crap that they stripped away from me. And, yeah, I think this is a difference between men and women, but I, I, I don't seek any retribution. Whatever the consequences are from other entities, right, to the people who persecuted me, that's out of my hands. But I don't seek any retribution. I, you know, I, I would hope that if, if justice is restored, these men who wronged me are able to be like, wow, what a strong soul, you know, that yeah. Marine is. I should be proud to want to have Marines like her in my ranks and, you know, hopefully bring them to Jesus, hopefully bring them to God through my strength, you know, that I, that I displayed, like, personally, I, I don't seek retribution. And maybe that, maybe, maybe that's a stark difference because I have, I have a lot of people calling for bloodshed. I have a lot of people calling for like, you know, kind of a bloodthirsty approach. And I'm like, ah, no, we, we, we need men, you know, to talk about, you know, the wrongs that they have done and caution others on perpetuating this cycle. Like, you know, the, 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 the only way to reform is inside. Um, 
and I'm sorry, but it, it is. And, and I learned that from the Catholic Church because all of the great doctors and all the great saints, you know, I'm, I'm such I'm such a geek and such a nut on, on Catholicism <laughs> and Jesus. But I, I learned that. I learned that from You're the, in good the only here. way. Yeah. yeah, the only um, way to reform is from within. And, you know, whenever you yeah. have, you know, people go on the outside and, you know, start a new thing, well, then it's just it's, it's chaos. You, you need to reform from the inside and say, look, this is this is the caliber of people we can produce and have produced. And, well, we don't want another two court martial, um, you know, 113-day jail brig debacle on our hands as the military. You know, it's not the best for public uh, – relations and recruiting so let's uh let's go about this whole affair different ways right yeah. um yeah that there's my tangent but yeah oh no i love it yeah um dorothy i think i've got your brother on the line but i i can leave the air and screen the call or i can you can just text me his number <laughs> would be would be real be the quickest way to do it that way i can stick around it's and, and chat with you guys him. It's, it's definitely him <laughs> well, let's find out. No <clears throat> All right, let me take a chance, and let's see, is, uh, is this Dorothy's brother? Enter and sign in, please. Uh, I'll try and do that. I'm not sure how to do that. What's your first name? Douglas. Douglas, okay. That's how you do it. <laughs> You're in. All right. I just want to make sure. What's your story? Uh, my story. What's my story? What's my story? Um, I'm not really sure what my story is. Uh, what's, what's the call about? It's Memorial Day, so... Dorothy, didn't she tell your brother what we were talking about today? <laughs> all right. Well, just, just hang on. Listen he's, in. Not, he's not he's used to being all chatty and being on the radio. So, uh, he want, you know, he's military. Okay. He, he needs some specific instructions, sir. Oh, okay. Well, okay. well, first thing, just hang <laughs> back for a bit. We've got uh, – all right, who's, who's talking now? Next. Is that Dorothy? Oh, Douglas. I know you're here. Yeah. All right. So, so instructions. Yeah, hang out for a bit. Listen in for a bit. We've got Catherine Arnett. Uh, who is uh, having all kinds of, of uh, legal trouble because she re- you know, refused to take a jab that I consider illegal to be mandated. That's where we stand. We've been going through this for actually almost the last hour and a half. It's been fascinating. I'm just curious, uh, you it's know, very for you, interesting. Any, any Doug, military are you familiar insights? with her? What's that? Yeah. Oh, I was curious if Doug was familiar with her. I was yeah, curious if you know, Doug was familiar with her story because yeah. he's had to go through this. Oh, no. with the story, not her story. Okay. Well, let's hear that uh, story. What's what's your COVID story? Well, I, well, I I got vaccinated. I was retired. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to go through the legal hassles of whether or not I wanted to get vaccinated or not because I retired in 2017. But I know friends. I got friends that out because they didn't want to take the. Are you there still? I'm sorry. Did, you mute your, did you mute yourself? Okay. You're cutting, All right. You're I just out want to make sure you're done. All right. Yeah, cut off for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I think Catherine is on hold for just a little bit. She'll be right back, too. Um, this, yeah, just to sort of talk about what we've been talking about today, this has been a fascinating day. The, the first hour, I actually read a lot of the poetry uh, written by soldiers, written by people about about war. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot, there's kind of a misplaced glorification, I think, that people sort of, you know, those that haven't been in war are the first to describe, you know, how wonderful it is for the next one. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, other controversial things that the, the fight for freedom uh, is, is waged on many levels. And one of the strongest fighters for freedom in the country right now is Catherine. Uh, and so by, by uh, standing up for principle, standing up for her rights, and standing up to not have to comply with uh, what all of us consider an illegal order uh, to take a mandated you know, jab of something that is still experimental, 
under an experimental use authorization. Literally, they can't do that, and yet they are. And so this is where we stand right now. So any insight, any, any commentary, anything you want to uh, continue with? And Catherine will let us know when she's back, and we'll, we'll get back to her. Yeah, so in 1999, um, mm-hmm. just right before, but they mandated that we take the anthrax shot. Oh, I want to talk about was, that. Yeah, this is oh. a good topic. Okay, go ahead. All right. So, because to me, this is where, you know, I'm, I'm what you call anti-vax, and I have been since uh, early 90s. Maybe even earlier, late '80s. But uh, ever since I heard about, uh, you know, Gulf War syndrome, uh, anthrax vaccine, squalene, the chemical that's in it, that's also in the flu shot, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, what is going on here? So let me, I'm curious what you have to say. Well, a really good friend of mine. He was a uh, linguist. He was a sorry, what's the He was an Arabic linguist. Spoke different dialects. And again, it was right before September 11th, but they kicked him out because he refused the anthrax shot. And mm-hmm. cited the fact that it wasn't a legal order. Mm-hmm. That's the executive order that it was that mandated it. But it was the fact that it wasn't the fact that he didn't want to take the shot. It was the fact that the shot was not produced in a... Um, a uh, You're having a little trouble with your line, and so it, it, there's some beeping in the background and some other things going on. Um, Sorry. That's okay. You know, so, you, I'll, if it gets bad, I'll just ask you to call back in. That, that's okay. Uh, and I got your number now, so you know, I'll know who you are. <laughs> Want me to call back in? Um, well, we'll keep talking for now, but I don't know if you speak a little louder, a little closer to the phone or something. We just, I just want to make sure all your message gets, gets heard because this will be podcast and you know, sent around the world and all the stuff that we do here. Sorry, I couldn't resist. So, so, but this is critical because uh, the COVID, it's like anthrax too. We've been through this already. Right. Yeah, go correct. Ahead. Yeah, did you want to add more to it? <laughs> no, that's that's it. I mean, um, they put him on. Order. Now you better call back in. I, uh, I'm having real trouble hearing you. Can you just give us a quick call back in? Try again. We'll see if we can get a clearer line. Yeah, I'm sorry, Douglas. I really like hearing from you too. Yeah, there he goes. Okay. I'm still getting some some also fuzz from another. Oh, maybe it's maybe it's Catherine's line. Is it me? <laughs> uh, I, it could be you, Dorothy. I'm Let me. I'm going to mute. Yeah, I'm going to mute you for a second. I'll find out. Yeah, it's her line. Yeah, it's your line. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, no. I'm a problem. It's me. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's just that Douglas' phone was real quiet. I had had a tough time hearing him. I didn't want to do that. Douglas is very rural, and he's very near you. He lives very near you, and I'm not going to say anything else because we're private. No, no, we don't want to give away um, details. Yeah, okay. And I was was hanging (laughs) Greg, I was excited. I was like, oh, my gosh, this anthrax is forced. Tell us about it. And I felt like, yeah, either either he was cutting out or, you know, some people just don't tell detailed stories. I'm like, no, That's give okay. us more. That's okay. It's hard to radio. You know, I mean, my first show was to take the anthrax. Yeah. This has gone to this is yeah this is not the first go around and they've experimented mm-hmm. with the military for a long time, and I hope this is a huge wake up and that the military knows you know, how to say no from here on out. Well, you know, what are they like, the first time? I mean, uh, 
you know, anthrax too. I mean, I said that for a reason. So what's the psychology? You're, you're the psychologist here. You're our resident psychologist. So let's, let's, let's analyze this. Why is it beneficial to the military to force something that they know either doesn't work, isn't appropriate, that everybody has immunity to anyway in the case of COVID? I mean, by the time the mandates came around, we'd all been exposed. You know, Dr. McCullough said like um, 94% of the people have already had COVID and 100% of the people have been exposed. He didn't say 100%. I, I'm doing that from something I, I heard earlier that everybody oh, was sure. going to be exposed anyway. So why? Why are they doing this? Why, what's the psychology? Anymore, because anymore, I don't believe, and I, here we go. Here comes the crazy. Okay. I don't care. There's a lot of evidence. Anymore, I think many of the people who got the, quote, vaccine got other things. I believe it's bio-warfare. It is to reduce the population. I believe there were different batches given, and probably the mm-hmm. same thing happened in the military. So I think they begin experimenting on usually indigenous populations, um, third world countries, and they move to our poorer people in this country. There's lots of evidence. And now it's the widespread population. And, and the military is involved somewhere in there too. They experiment on their military in order to get, you know, basically uh, slaves, you know, basically just um, consciousness slaves that obey orders and are triggered by hypnotic triggers. I believe, I believe this. And um, so I don't think it's always but what they say. In it terms is. of uh, those shots, uh, I think Judy Mikevitz said that also. It's not what it's not what they say it is in those shots frequently. So, but in, in terms of a psychological motivation, Doug's back, which is good. But you know, I mean, they did the same thing with anthrax. They did the same thing with COVID. Uh, they never tested for immunity. Uh, anthrax was near, uh, anthrax is is a uh, cow disease. <laughs> you know, and and yet they test on they the, have the, the, they don't care. It has yeah. nothing to do with making giving you immunity. It has nothing to do with conferring immunity. I don't believe anymore the vaccines. It has to do with um, calcifying the pineal gland, uh, al- um, aluminum plaques in the brain, uh, an, an easily controlled population that's emotionally disconnected and spiritually disconnected, and to reduce some of the population. This is what I believe based on the evidence. That's fine. Psychologically, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I yeah. don't I'm not a psychologist. Um, I love that topic though, but. Um, okay. You know, we, we look at applied psychology and applied yeah. – say it again. Oh, ha, 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 thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, you know, we do well, double duty uh, Applied yeah. psychology, if you look at the field of applied psychology, this is the tactics that were used, this mass psychosis, mass formation psychosis, and um, the fear that if you, if, you, if you do hypnotic fear messaging for two months in a population, 80-something percent will never stop to believe that – will never stop believing that message – after two months of constantly hearing it, no matter what evidence is provided to the contrary. So a lot of these high-level applied psychology tactics were used, and it's very interesting to see who was susceptible and who wasn't. And I personally believe it has a lot to do with if you were heavily brainwashed by media and by the school system and traumatized when you're young, which is prevalent in our culture, then you're much more susceptible to this applied psychology hypnotic uh, brainwashing. I must be immune. Because I objected from the very first. I mean, we had uh, we had Bill Gertz. I give Douglas a little history of the show. Bill Gertz was on from uh, my friend Dr. Peter Pry, who I believe died of the COVID shot last August. Uh, he had cancer. It was in remission. It was going away. He gets the COVID shot. Six months later, he's dead from the same cancer. I don't think that's a coincidence. Anyway, so no so we had Bill Gertz on the Washington Times national security correspondent uh, talking about Wuhan back February 25th of 2020. So we had him on. Uh, Trump had just banned travel from China at the end of January. Forever, three weeks later, we got Bill Gertz on. Two days later, I wrote a bill for Congress saying they could only spend half their money on, uh, uh, on COVID, on, on the vaccine, because we already had early treatments. We didn't need them. 
message. You know, this is, this is yeah. still February, right? Uh, two days later from, or three days later from that, March 2nd, uh, I'm broadcasting a show saying that we have chloroquine. I got the study from Marseille, France, Didier, Dr. Didier Raoult. You know, I said, uh, there's no, there's no uh, pandemic. We've got a cure for it. You know, and of course, doctors don't like cure. They like treatment. Well, I was calling it a cure. I said, we can handle this. This is no big deal. And I had a bunch of articles supporting the same thing. So early March, this, this is two weeks before 15 days to slow the spread. I'm already talking about the government response is a total joke. There's no reason for any of this. And, they can, and then we started talking about the fact they can't take our rights away uh, during a pandemic because you can never take anybody's rights away. So let's go back to Douglas thing as he called back in. Um, so in the military, did they tell you any of this, you know, for COVID or, or anthrax or anything? Or uh, did they, did no, they say – go ahead, tell me. It's a order. So you take it or you don't. Is it a lawful order? Is it a lawful order because they said so? You know, that's like yeah. that's like the FBI saying the whistleblowers aren't whistleblowers because they didn't call them whistleblowers, even though we know they are, because the FBI would never call their own FBI whistleblowers whistleblowers. Did they say it was lawful because they issued it? <laughs> you know, this is a question I have for Catherine when she comes back. No, you know, of that, course. That, and you should all stand against what you perceive as an unlawful order. Right. But it doesn't matter if you're enlisted because you can have what goes against what we call uh, uniform code of justice. Uh, that's it. The CEO okay. says you have to take a shot. If not, you suffer the consequences. Now, it's non-judicial. So you t- they take the money away. You get 45 days restrictions. But after that, they'll kick you out. You won't have anything yep. on your record. Yeah. It's not legal in the legal respect. And that's the fact that it's a uniform code of military justice. And it's, it's legal. It is what it is. So it's a lawful order. Huh. Interesting. Um, Catherine's back. And so, Catherine, I've got Douglas, who's uh, Dorothy's brother. And we're talking anthrax. And there's a question I have from Douglas? I hope you hear Catherine there. Hi, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Everybody jumps right in. We all step on each other. It's, it's standard procedure around here. Yeah. Um, but what's yeah, interesting so anthrax. is. I heard anthrax, and then I heard a little yeah. bit about UCMJ, 45 days restriction. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been it. in touch uh, a little bit with Dale Saran over the last two years. He's been instrumental. He's awesome. But who's, who's catch that? me up, I guess. Uh, Dale <laughs> Saran was um, a major, I think, whenever he started defending uh, service members uh, for not getting the anthrax, and he wrote a little publication about it. Uh, he was working in, like, the East Texas circuit a lot for the Coast Guard and just keeping a lot of people abreast uh, with uh, his uh, foundation or firm, firm, yeah. yeah. Well, my question is, because what happened with anthrax, I call this anthrax too, and I just started doing that this show. Yeah, um, no kidding. <laughs> we've been through all this before, and I, in fact, I documented this back on, uh, on WBY when I, when I first started radio, this is back 2017, 2018, reporting on, because like I said, I've been anti-vax since the early 90s, or maybe even late 80s, I'm not sure. Somewhere along the way, I realized that this was a bunch of nonsense, that you know, we have immune systems. Uh, these diseases, as Judy Mikovits said, these diseases that they're, they're, quote, vaccinating for aren't around anymore. You know, so this is just money. Um, there's a bunch of really, really crazy. Oh, Dorothy, you missed this too. We're going to get uh, Catherine and Judy Mikevitz on the show together. You know, uh, start chatting, and so that's going to be uh, oh, that's going to be that's going to be fascinating. Yeah, you're, you're free to call in then too. Uh, but since we've seen I like, this, I like Judy Mikevitz. She's such a hero. She was one of the first people yeah. I listened to. Also, in the beginning of the pandemic, she was when I found her. I was like, see, see, she, she knows how she's part of the NBA. 
Yeah. And then, you know, everyone's like, she's crazy. Like, no, she's not. No, she's not. No, she's the one who's not crazy. We call him Dr. Fascist around here for anybody that wants to, uh, needs a translation. So it's Dr. Fascist, the genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. That's his full title. In case anybody's wondering. Yeah. 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 That's a a practice. Yeah. (laughs) An AIDS creator, an AIDS patient's killer. Mm -hmm. But um, which which the gay and lesbian community that's older, they know all about him. So a lot of those older um, LGBTQ are like, uh huh, you know, very side eyeing yeah, Fauci, which I love. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I really I I want to make sure Doug. I did tell Doug about your Memorial Day and the poetry. So I just want to make sure he gets a chance. To, he got a really good poem, and I want to make sure he has a chance to do it before he has to go. So I'm okay. just going to throw that in there. Douglas, let's see your poem. I love poetry. Yeah, check out the first hour. I read like the first hour, but let's hear Douglas's poem. What do you got for us? Uh, It's got me through a lot. It's got me through many deployments. It's got me through Iraq. It was told to me by my dad when I was a kid. So I hope you can hear it. He's also a veteran. Yeah, also a veteran. Also a veteran, yeah. My father fought in World War II. Wow. So, if if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, so make allowance for their doubting too. You can wait, not be tired by waiting. We're being lied about and don't deal in lies. We're being hated. Don't give way to hating. Yet don't look too good, nor talk too wise. If you can dream, do not make dreams your master. You can think, do not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster, treat those two imposters with thanks. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves, make a trap for fools. Or watch the thing you gave your life to, broken. And stoop and build them up with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings, you a turn a pitch and toss and lose. Start again. Beginning. Never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your long after they're gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, or lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you. If all men count with you, but none can help you. can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distant love. Here's the earth and everything in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. That's it. Did that to my son, Adrian. Is that Roger Kipling? Gorgeous. Yes, it is. Yeah. Sounds familiar. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I think that applies just as much to to women and, and daughters as as men and sons. I, I don't see a difference, especially when we see the fight that Catherine's waging. Uh, and so it, it's interesting. He wrote in the 1800s, um, but I think it applies every bit as much. And well, so, Catherine, do you, yeah, go ahead. No, you read it. That's the way it's written. We don't change poetry, or we don't change anything here. But I'm just saying in a context. Of I love today, it. I think it's. That's ahead, so Dorothy. inspiring. It's, it's, I think it's If by Rudyard Kipling, as you said, and I yep. have that posted. You know, I told you I have three boys, and I think they're – I think I will just say I think the masculine energy is inspired differently than the feminine, and we, we all okay. carry both. But I have that posted on my bathroom wall because I want them to read that, um, along with Invictus and a few other things. Um, I, I want them to, that to feed their, their masculine soul because raising them as a single mom, you know – I just feel like they need to hear those kind of inspiring words or just have it in their, in their head. I love that poem. And I think it's okay to have things directed to men and women and doesn't have to be directed to both. Okay. No, but I, but I, I, I just see that. the parallels there. Yeah. So I, so to me, it's not a, it's not a yeah. conflict. Catherine, what do you think? Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I have not heard that poem read uh, out loud in quite a while. Um, hmm. But the things that stood out to me were the two sentences about if you can walk with kings or something like that, and then the poem and then the stance before, if you can uh, like walk and, and keep your keep your way. That you know, I've yeah, I've I, I read Douglas, can you just, that. Like, I guess can you say those again, can, real quick for us? Yeah, read those Douglas. lines again. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, Oh, he's already he's already taken off his computer. Okay, I mean we can find it again. Go ahead. You got it there. Okay, if you can walk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk yes. with kings, nor lose the common touch, nor lose the common touch. Yeah, that's that's very Trumpian, by the way. You don't have to be. Let's walk with kings. But I'm humble, I believe is what yeah. yeah. Isn't that lovely to walk with crowds and not lose your virtue, which we saw in the pandemic. The crowd was doing something. Can you, this was a challenge. So I have a lot of friends who got really loud and angry. And then I felt like this realization dawned that more, uh, how do you reach people in the crowd without, um, so how do you be with the crowd, but also keep yourself? How do you, because I feel like then you connect more and then you're more likely to get people to see, you know, what you're trying to say. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of what I'm taking from them, like walking, being with the crowd, but also knowing who you are and keeping your boundaries and your values. That's a great message. Yeah. I, I like the, the part. Of, uh, go ahead, Doug. I'm sorry. I believe okay. the idea would be stoic. Be stoic. A lot of well, my I noticed, back, go ahead. A lot of my background is uh, Eastern philosophy. Oh. Uh, Let's hear some. Different books to my son. Mainly, okay. the fire brain, Eastern philosophy, that sort of thing. So, what we talk about, following people. I think a great book, oh my goodness, I can't remember the name of it. Um, Oh, goodness. We'll get you back next week. (laughs) (laughs) You're never done with Action Radio. We always have another week to ask Dorothy. We'll pick it up next week. It's kind of like a standard theme. 
is how people follow other people. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you, well, let's, let's, let's bring it to Catherine. What would Eastern philosophy have for Catherine in her, her battle right now? You know, when like all the world, except for those of Saudi are against her, all the government world, you know, the official world. Did you say Eastern? What, what is that? Is that the word that I heard? Eastern spirituality? Eastern philosophy, like Buddhism, like oh, Confucianism, Eastern. Eastern philosophy, like ancient Asian wisdom, as opposed to. Oh, sure. Um, okay. Whenever I, whenever I hear Eastern, I think Eastern Orthodox. Um, <laughs> no, that's different. Um, that, that's like Russian Greek Church, uh, as opposed to the, the Western yeah. Catholic. Yeah, there's, but we yeah we need for that chat. <laughs> she's she's our she's our minister and, and, and Bible scholar. Yeah, she even reads the ancient Greek and Hebrew. I mean, she's amazing. Um, but uh, Douglas, do you have something for us um, on this? I'm kind of curious. So I, th- I think there's, there's slivers. Uh, No, I think there's slivers of truth everywhere. And before I really came back to the Catholic Church with a with a fervor and passion in my heart to stay and and latch on with it, I was definitely perusing through through the Eastern spirituality. In fact, like Buddhism uh, Mm -hmm. was a very big uh, source of uh, spirituality for me for a while. Um, Hmm. I'm not going to say that (laughs) there's uh, it's similar but the, 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 there's parallels and shreds of truth about you know oneness and and, and peace and and just uh as i was reading i was reading books about religions and in, in, mm-hmm. in the brig and um i'm so ashamed i can't recall to mind everything listen you just you I just told us you read about religion in the brig i mean how many people can say in the brig okay i mean you're you're really special much more so than you know so uh, it's just the way you yeah, casually say yeah, things. Yeah. yeah, there I was in solitary thinking about, you know, the Catholic Church and Jesus. I mean, you, you, this is what makes you so incredible. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let me just toss out some compliments <laughs> here. But it's true because not everybody it's, can say what you can say, the battles that you've waged, and just to be able to calmly say, yeah, I was thinking about that in the brig the other day. You know, I, <laughs> that to me is a miracle in itself. <laughs> you know, I just find that fascinating. It's a, it's a, no, it's, it's a privilege, Greg, to, to be able to say that. And sometimes people look at me and my morbid sense of humor that I'm just able to say that off the cuff and just keep going in the conversation. But it's it's part of my blessed journey that, that God's mm-hmm. granted me. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I love exploring religions um, and, like, learning about them, right, seeing what mm-hmm. parallels or what slivers of truth um, is mirrored, you know, to the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess just, just off, off, off the top of my head, um, you know, no Buddhism and, and the, the more, um, the, I guess, peaceful kind of sides of it about oneness and being uh, focused. I, I learned about like the whole eight, eight noble fold path. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I guess I can go off that. There's a lot of noble things to be done in this spiritual battle right now. But um, truthfully, truthfully, Greg, uh, I, I could talk to you more about my Catholic faith. No, we can do that. Listen, uh, uh, then, you know, you're welcome. You know, yeah, you're welcome anytime on the show, right? You know, you know, you do not need an invitation yeah. to call. Okay. Yeah, so no, just absolutely. to let you know whenever like, you're I, any I report. Know, yep. Yeah, I don't know what I could offer. I, I don't know what um fruitful things I could offer about Eastern spirituality right now. Okay. That no, that's sense. fine. Like, that's I, a, I, I love yeah, I'd love yeah. to engage in like a 
you know, religious debate talk at some point, but right now I don't know what I can bring to the table. <laughs> That's okay. Douglas, do you have something to add? Because I want to do one more poem before we, we close pretty much at the top of the hour. We can go over, but I think we've covered a lot um, today. So Douglas, uh, I've got one I want to read, but uh, did you want to comment more on any Eastern ph- philosophical wisdom that would uh, help Catherine at this point? Or just to add to our, yeah, our conversation. Out that um, a lot of the Eastern philosophy it sounds nice and flowery, but you have mm-hmm. to remember that they slaughtered each other for 1,300 years until they came yeah. to some sort of peace. Mm-hmm. My wife is Japanese, mm-hmm. so I know. That's the difference yeah. between what we think is peaceful and loving. But even religion has war. Even religion has fought and battles because that's what life is. That's what we fight for. Why would mm-hmm. Like yeah, but like spiritual battles as well as physical battles. In fact, they're usually intertwined. And I think that I hadn't even thought of that, that bringing in, this is what Dorothy was adding, this is the idea of a spiritual battle going along with the actual physical and legal battles that are happening right now. Doug? It's the same thing. They teach you. Yeah. That's why you look. So you, so you understand it when you have to face it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Catherine, ever studied martial arts? Just curious. A, a little bit. I didn't get into it until like the Marine Corps. And there's this uh, program called the Marine Corps Martial Arts Program. It, it mixes a bunch of practices into one. And you level mm. up by belts. Um, there's five levels or six, and I'm only at the the second level. Um, right now, I, I got hurt um, getting my second belt. And while I was trying to get my third belt, yeah, I got hurt, so I didn't complete the uh, the course. But yeah, I've I've uh, I've been exposed to it a little bit. Because there's a spirituality to it as well. I mean, the way of the warrior. There's all kinds of stuff that was written um, way back when, mm-hmm. especially I remember during early men's movement stuff in the '80s. Robert Bly was talking about the warrior, uh, various archetypes. Uh, Dorothy and I should, I'm sure, we should get into that as well. Here's one of my favorites. Uh, and I was reminded of this when, when Doug was talking about, you know, from the poem, if, you know, when, uh, when your truth is, is lied about by knaves, something to that effect. And I was thinking of Teddy Roosevelt's speech. Mm-hmm. And Teddy Roosevelt made an amazing speech. And this, you know, he, he talks about it for, you know, he uses the, the, the collective man, but I really think this applies to anybody uh, who fights. And this is from a, a fabulous speech he gave, but this is one paragraph seems to uh, be the one everybody quotes. He says, it is not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who, actually, who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who is at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. defeat. Correct. That, that's my inspiration for Action Radio. It's like, hey, I don't care what they say. <laughs> You know, and, and the knaves have lied about us. Uh, and uh, if you're not in the arena, and all of us are in the arena, if you're not in the arena, then, uh, you know, you're a weenie. <laughs> Roosevelt said it's better. But that's, that's, uh, that's you know, that and, and don't so worry about That is so beautiful. And it's, yeah. I've never heard that. And that's so beautiful and inspirational. And I think it's going to go on the bathroom wall. 
There you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just look up, uh, let me see, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt's speech. Uh, just look up the man in the arena. Uh, and that's what it comes to. Just one paragraph. Because you're right. It's easy to criticize when people say, oh, they should have mm-hmm. done this or they should have done this. And, they, and like, really? Why don't you get out there and do any one thing? Yeah, get you out try. there and show me. One yeah. thing. <laughs> well, here's, here's what I get, so, so maybe you can help me out. I hear this all the time. That will never pass Congress. That can't uh, be done. Uh, yeah, right. Comes to, that if can't everyone be done. thought that way, nothing would ever be done. If everyone thought exactly. that way, oh, it's so frustrating. Those people are not my people. Yeah, yeah. But I hear this, you know, especially the bills, and one of our biggest ones now, and this is hugely ambitious. I understand that. Uh, oh, here's another quote too. That, that uh, Howard Jarvik, the director, of, uh, the 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 inventor of the the Jarvik artificial heart. This is back 70s, mm-hmm. I think early 80s. He said that uh, leaders are people with uh, uh, what is it? A poorly developed sense of fear and no concept no concept of the odds against them. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. I love it. <laughs> and that's us here. We you know we have no sense of fear and no and not only do we have no concept of the odds against us, we don't care. Catherine, do you care about the odds mm-hmm. against you? Do you care for a second? Do you ever give a thought to that? Does it ever matter? With Christ by my side, no. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. So we was, technically we have three minutes I, left. I, and I hope, think, go ahead. Yeah, I, I hope they realize that Christ is by my side and they see the strength that I mm-hmm. derive from him. So, again, with the whole like retribution, no retribution thing, um, yeah, I, I was interviewed uh, by Sons of Liberty last year, and you mm-hmm. know I was asked, man, you know, do you ever think these guys are not seeing these things that they're doing to you? And I told them, no, I, I don't, because ultimately, right now, I think, I think, I of course, my, I guess maybe seeing the goodness in people might be my naivete, but right now. I think there are some good men who are being made to do bad things because of the bureaucratic office that they hold. Um, mm-hmm. But eventually we will be seeing bad men seeking these positions of power to inflict bad things. So I think that's where I see um, that. But, but do you see, have people apologize? Yeah, but, but, you know, but Catherine, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm sure. Did, did ever, did, have people said to you, I'm sorry, I have to do this. I'm just following orders. And I hate the term just following orders. Yes. That's what the Nurm. That's what the Nuremberg trials are about. All Go the ahead. Time, they'll, they'll Tell me. Look me and they'll be like, okay, wait, one at a time. Yes. We, got, we, we can go over time. Go ahead, Catherine. Tell me. Yeah, no, all the time. Uh, my commanders have said it to my face. Of course, off the record, off the record. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like, man, I'm sorry I have that's to do this. I'm just following records. Yeah. Literally yeah. verbatim, literally verbatim. And then all the people who, like, were taking me to the brig, all the people who were putting me in handcuffs, all the people who were doing this, like, Dude, I totally agree with you, but I, you know, like, sorry it's happening, but uh, for what it's worth, I don't blame you for what you're doing. And, and of course, I, I, I keep composure, but I'm thinking to myself, why, why, why the fuck did y'all not do it too, you know? <laughs> There's yeah. power in numbers. Yeah, I'm, if, I'm so if, sorry. I just, I just, I just said the okay. F word on your show, Greg. I'm so sorry. Was, uh, we're not, we're not regulated by the FCC. Uh, I had I've to done that. Your I did that a couple times. I had to yeah, meet you because you, we, we have noise on your line. But yeah, so I found occasionally, if they're appropriate, I don't care, you know. And that was definitely appropriate. But uh, yeah, Doug, go ahead. Doug, you got a comment? You breathed. It's good to know. I'll just, I'll keep my 
voice quiet. <laughs> well, no, no, you can be you can be loud. I mean, you know, I just think there's so many great words in the English language. You know, we don't need too many f bombs. Um, but in Catherine's case, that's absolutely appropriate. Dorothy drops a few herself every once in a while. It's really kind of fun. I do. Um, but but this, this you know we were just following I, orders. You know that's what got Nazis hung after the Nuremberg trials, and yet it's still here. It's still with us. And they, you know, like you said, Catherine, these people apologize. I'm sorry. And I can't believe the comment you made. I'm sorry as they're putting you in handcuffs. I'm sorry as they're locking the door to the jail. I'm sorry. I, I'm just falling. I have to do it. And did you ever say to them, no, you don't? And did you ever get a response? Oh, man, I should have. <laughs> I should Okay, have. well, keep that for next time, you know. Keep, <laughs> next time someone does something. No, it's just the next the next time someone does something to you that you know is unjust and they know is unjust and they say, I have to do this. I'm just following orders. Just look at them and say, no, you don't. And then tell us the reaction. Dorothy, what do you think? You got it. <laughs> well, I have to sign. I got to sign off, but I will say okay. it, that's exactly what I thought it was the Nazis when you said, um, I'm just following orders. That mm-hmm. didn't fly in the Nuremberg trials and it, nope. it won't fly if this ever hopefully comes to um, a good closure that's fair and just. Um, and I told, so I had friends, you know, on the West Coast where they really uh, tightened the thumbscrews on the pandemic fear for Los Angeles in that area. And I think I probably told you I had nurse friends and respiratory therapist friends that confessed to me quietly and privately that um, they were given insane orders during the first few months of COVID that were so against ethics and, and hospital protocol, like what? Um, taking, patient, taking patients from a two-liter nasal cannula directly to a vent, uh, not turning the patients, staying out of the rooms entirely, basically leaving them to rot, and um, being told, do not code patients. We're not coding anyone. And it was certain doctors on the unit, certain internists, if it was their shift that you knew not to go into a coding patient's room. This is intensive care unit. And, mm-hmm. um, and then What's a coding certain, patient? Certain doctors... So a patient that's going into cardiac arrest or dying, so actively okay. dying patients. So mm-hmm. in the intensive care unit, that's basically who you have. You have patients that are very tenuous on life support, and mm-hmm. your job is to keep them alive and then get them better. And, and mm-hmm. so when a code happens, everyone runs to the code, and everyone does everything they can to save this person's life. And they were told, do not, if there's a code, do not go in there. We're not answering codes this month. Do you know I'm why? not kidding. I no, heard you know why? correctly a respiratory you know therapist. Yeah, I'll tell of you course, why. I know why, but but this is yeah. the Nuremberg trials. So I told my friend, I said, if you're going along with that, you that's your you can't go along with that. That's you're not gonna. They're not. They're gonna throw you to the wolves when this all comes out. They're not gonna protect you when you say this was hospital protocol and they told me I would fi- they would fire me if I didn't go along. The, the court doesn't care. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your 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 own license, and so I don't know. That's what I thought of when you said I was just following orders. Like that happened. That happened during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Listen, we have uh, Rebecca Charles and we had Scott Shara, uh, who both lost their daughters to hospital protocols. We had uh, an, uh, another person, I forget her name right now, but uh, no, the $130,000 per COVID basically murder. I mean, I call it the remdesivir ventilator death march for a reason, uh, that these people were put on a, on a protocol of death. They were denied food and water. Uh, I think uh, Marie Clark comes to mind. Maybe that's her name. Anyway, I uh, don't want to miss. Anyway, she's been on the show uh, and she was almost killed by the hospital. And so we know this. We know this whole story. Uh, in fact, uh, Rebecca Charles would be another good person to get uh, with you, Catherine, because there's an entire movement growing of people who lost, you know, loved ones to a purposeful hospital protocol of death. And like I said, I'm pretty blunt on this show. I don't mind saying, you know, the truth. Got no problem with it. But we know that happened. And so that has mm-hmm. to come out, too. 
So, Catherine, just, you know, I'll give you the last word to you, but stay safe. Stay away from, from drugs. Hope, you know, my, my biggest fear is that something's going to happen to you. You know, we just won't hear from you. You know, whatever's going to happen or some accident, some horrible thing. God bless you and protect you um, because we need you around. Um, and so, um, yeah, on that, on that cheery note, <laughs> let, me, let me give yeah. the last word to you and well, then, then we should probably wrap it up. The energy, oh, Dorothy, the energy of God, God's energy and the energy of Christ surround her with a golden light of protection and a shield so that she can march through the rest of her her intended life uh, following her journey um, with strength and, and God's protection. Amen. Amen. Douglas, you got last word. Thank the you word so much for the protection. Okay. Yes. Doug, you got one more comment. Then I'll give the last word to Catherine. Oh, okay. Doug, one more time or no? Catherine, uh, hey, all my good wishes towards you for this Memorial Day. Um, everything has gone through. Just, uh, you know, out there. We're still here. And thank you very much for having me on your radio. Oh, come on back and we'll get you a better line. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get that more Thank you, Douglas. Uh, God bless you too. You too. In fact, uh, we went to. So last word to you, Catherine, anything we can do to help any, uh, and like I say, we'll talk off here, obviously, but uh, any last words uh, mm-hmm. for today? Cause you've been fabulous to have on the show. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for these two hours and the opportunity to listen to great patriots and talk with y'all. Um, truly just peace of Christ upon y'all and uh, keep keep praying, please. Um, I need all the prayers and everyone else needs all the prayers in this whole journey. Um, I really treasure and value that and um, praying for swift resolution to all of this and the justice can be restored. Amen. And you getting your job back. Yeah, I, want to see a video, yeah, I want to see a video of you as a drill instructor. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I can visualize it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. me too. <laughs> okay, thanks, everybody. All right, thank um, you I'm, all. God bless. Happy Memorial Day. God bless. Happy thanks, Memorial Arthur. Day, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Catherine. And i got to play our announcements and, and commercials and stuff. I mean, is, I've saved the whole show. I mean, I really didn't want to interrupt the show just for that reason. So I'm going to play everything now. And then I'll probably play uh, Stars and Stripes Forever at the end, give a little classical music uh, rendition here. And this podcast will be available probably about 10, 15 minutes after I'm off the air. Uh, I'll probably send links out again because I'm going to be changing the title uh, just because this is such an amazing two hours. And so uh, we'll take care of that, get you the new links. You'll be able to share this. And I'm going to share this with some pretty interesting people. Uh, my Congressman Matt Gates and some other folks who I know in the Trump administration. Let's see if we can get uh, get going here. So, uh, so Catherine, if you, if you get a call from Donald Trump in a couple of weeks, you know you'll know where it started. <laughs> that would be fabulous. Roger. We'll, we'll, Roger, we'll be I will be, I will be uh, vigorously looking forward to that. <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm waiting for that call myself. You know, so I mean, uh, but this is Action Radio. There are no limitations here. Only possibilities. You know, there is no I can't. There is no that can't be done. There is no you're crazy to think, da, 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 fill in the blank. None of that stuff exists for us here. This is, this is the, you know, we don't talk about what has happened. We talk about what can happen. In fact, let me just play you. In fact, I'll, I'll play you my favorite little promo uh, for all, since they're all still on the line for a minute here. This pretty much sums up, you know, what I think of Action Radio. And it happens to be like, like really cool. I'm scrolling down. Really cool surf music. <laughs> just sort of set it off. Okay, here we go. This is all my cliches in one, uh, one spot. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. 
We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. And that's how we do it. So I've got a few more things to play here. Uh, so everybody, and just let everybody go. I think, uh, you know, anybody still on the line, you can listen in. But uh, uh, I'm just going to play a few commercials and things. And uh, this is our, our main website here, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Our legislative website is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Uh, Substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. Contributions, give, send, go.com slash action radio. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. And so I want to thank Catherine. I want to thank everybody involved with the show today. This is a very memorial, Memorial Day show. And on that note, a few announcements to play and then some more music. And I'll be back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Uh, Central Time. And we're going to take on the budget deal. And I'm going to be telling you all about it in excruciating detail. And until then, Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around health care, insurance, pharmacies, 
surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strike Force is at StrikeForceEnergy.com. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Start your engines.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.